Hey there, this is Kevin Scott. I'm the writer of Dooku Jedi Lost, and you're listening to the Living Force Podcast. This is the Living Force Podcast. Long have I waited. A Utini production. Hello, what have we here? Episode 36, The Rise of Skywalker Roundtable. You might want to buckle up, baby. On this episode, the Utini team talks about their thoughts on Star Wars Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. Taking one last look, sir, at my friends. And now, here are your hosts. Dr. Corey Helton. Eric Eilerson and Dr. Charles Hankel. All right, hey everyone. By the way, since we're just chatting amongst ourselves, we got Patrick, we got Emma, we got Timothy's trying to get in on here, we got Meg. Oh man, how family is he, everybody? There we go. Our people are finally getting in. All right, Tim's in, All right. Tim Dunlap's in. <clears throat> Good All right, Lord, man, that was painful. It wasted like was... 24 minutes. I'm glad we got it together as early as we yeah. did. And luckily, it's on one of our shortest episodes we'll ever have. <laughs> Jokes! Shortest episodes we ever had. Speaking of which, I need to get out my notepad and pencil so I can write down where the cuts are going to be because I don't want Matt to have to listen to the whole thing, even though he probably will anyway because he's just that good. Matt is amazing. You got your notepad? Are you ready? I'm ready for the most You're part. You're ready? It looks we like are we live? Have like, we have eight, eight or so, eight, ten people alive right now. Hopefully more of it coming in as we go. You know what? I will take it. And I'm going to shoot us live right now and say, everyone, welcome to episode 36 of the Living Force podcast on this Christmas Eve afternoon. Uh, if you are celebrating, Merry Christmas Eve. Uh, happy Day of Hanukkah and all other fantastic holidays. We thank you for spending a few hours with us today. I am one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson. And with me, as always, are the doctors themselves, Dr. Corey Helton. Hello. What's up? What's up? And Dr. Charles Hankel, hello. Hello, happy holidays, everybody. And our man in the chair correcting us in everything we got, we got Wes. What's up, buddy? What's up, guys? All right, so we are here to waste no time and dive right into the rise of Skywalker. Everyone, the movie came out last week. We have been talking for days. I have never sent this many hundreds and thousands of messages in Discord and Slack. Uh, but we wanted to make sure we got this one right. You know, um, and I was a little worried about that because I think that if we had recorded this episode immediately after we our first showing on Thursday, it would have been a little chaotic. But we have a ton of notes. We have two bits of business and then we're going to jump right into it. So first of all, a quick reminder to all of our patrons that are watching live and listening this Saturday, which is December 28th, we have our Utini Christmas party uh, at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Make sure you are in Discord and be ready a lot of it will be live streamed there. If you are a ten dollar and up Inquisitorious patron, you can join our our Utini Christmas call, open some Secret Santa gifts, watch a Star Wars movie together. We're very excited. You can meet a ton of the team uh, and get drunk and talk about Star Wars. Secondly, I want to do a quick little plug. Uh, in the couple weeks on the site, there's going to be another review coming out for the Secrets of the Jedi resource book. I just got that this week and just wanted to say I highly recommend it. If you have some last minute Christmas shopping. Or some gift cards that you got. Highly recommend that and look out for that review. Uh, and that's it. Because, guys, we got so much to go into. Um, I don't want to waste any more time. So, Corey, walk us through how this episode is going to go. So, uh, Dr. Helton's going to get to drive for the first time. That's going to yeah, be exciting. Yeah, you are. 
Um, I think that might have something to do with the fact that I wrote like 15 pages of notes. 17. <laughs> Don't lie to the people. Well, two two pages <laughs> technically are like production stuff related to True. streaming and stuff like that. But, you know, 17 pages is how big the document is we're currently working in. I took notes in the movie theater on my second two viewings, like probably much to the disdain of the people sitting next to me. I had to like tuck my phone like in my armpit to like type on it because I took a notepad in and tried to do it manually, but I couldn't freaking see anything like trying to scribble on. Oh, <laughs> uh, you were the worst kind of person. Don't be like Corey kids. Yeah. Don't be like me. Don't be like me. But I was at like an AMC theater with like the reclining seats. So there's a lot of space between people. Like I, I thought about it. I wasn't just a giant yeah. jackass and nobody looked at me like a single time. Like I didn't get any mean looks. So I, I assume it wasn't a problem, but you know, someone somewhere could be talking about the asshole next to them that was on their phone the whole time. Somewhere, you know, so it is what it is. Right. Um, so we have a we have a lot of stuff to talk about. This is kind of how the show is going to flow. We're going to come in with some big introductory thoughts just about kind of where we're at and what our thoughts are going into this discussion. We're going to talk about the culture surrounding this film, the some of the big problems that Disney was faced with after the after uh, the Last Jedi, like going into the Rise of Skywalker. We want to discuss our initial reactions to the film. We want to talk about the things that we feel like really just didn't work at all, some of the confusion confusing unanswered questions, and then we want to go into the big positives, what absolutely worked in this film. Um, some of our favorite parts, and then we're going to tie it all together discussing where we go from here kind of in canon. So like, we've put a lot of thought into kind of organizing this conversation rather than just giving you a big giant list of this is what we like, this is what we don't like, and just shooting from the hip. And honestly, if we had had this conversation after our first viewing, I think it would have been very different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and we, we obviously wanted to start out at first saying what we liked and then go into what we didn't like. I think a lot of podcasts do that. And because we at the end of the day, no matter what are still all about positivity and all about loving things. So we decided that if we get the stuff that we are not as much fans of, or that's a little controversial out of the way first, we can end on that upswing on really dope stuff. Um, and we'll kind of end on that happy note as opposed to maybe spiraling accidentally or, or doing yeah, something like that. Yeah. So that was a great idea. That was not mine. I will own Corey. That was your idea. So no, yeah. that's why you got to drive. That was the test. <laughs> yes, uh, I am nothing else except a master of creating documents, so there is that. <clears throat> Absolutely. Uh, and I want to say before we get into that real quick, I um, am at my parents' house for the holidays, and I found a bottle of open, slightly flat champagne. So cheers <laughs> to the Rise of Skywalker. Cheers. Um, cheers. I love you all. You folks that are in the chat, uh, I know people were kind of talking about getting some midday brews going and stuff. Is uh, yeah. Let us know what you got. I'm uh, drinking my favorite beer of all time to go with Star Wars. All right. Tropicalia mm-hmm. from the one Future that was Comforts. in Thor. That's Is right. That the one? one that was in yeah. Thor. Yeah. Charles, what do you, you got? What do you got? Uh, a chocolate I've, stout? Yeah. I've got it? a chocolate stout from Sycamore, which is one of the Charlotte breweries. Wes nice. is uh, keeping it classic with some PBR. Yes. <laughs> we got some Jameson, Natty Light. Oh, man. Woo! Some crazy stuff in the chat here. All right. Love it. Let's let's dive right in. So some of our introductory thoughts, uh, I think. Eric, why don't you sort of run us through some of these things? All right. So we have all seen the film multiple times at this point. So just mm-hmm. to, t- to tell you where we're coming from, I will start. I have seen it three times. Uh, once with Friends opening night. Um uh, once by myself the night after and then two days after that i saw it at imax with my mom so i had three very different social experiences uh cory what about you how many times um i also saw it three times the first time i saw it with uh another couple uh one of my guy one of my uh co-workers that I, I work with he's a big star wars fan um 
I've known him for a long time. We went and saw it together. We had a really good time. Um, he's like the only person kind of in my like quote unquote real life that I can talk about Star Wars with, right? Um, so it was kind of fun to go see it with him. The second time it was just me and my wife. That was a very different experience. Um, the third time I went by myself, uh, I signed up for AMC a list and went and saw it, um, on Sunday by myself. So three times for me too. Yeah. Another shout out to AMC a list by me. We're not, we're not, uh, sponsored by them yet, but they do make this a lot easier for multiple viewings. Yes. Uh, Charles, I have seen it twice so far. I saw it opening night, uh, with Nicole, which was interesting because she has seen them all, but you know, didn't even really remember like what had happened in the last Jedi and whatnot. So that conversation was fun afterwards. And then um, I went and saw it with my dad back here in my hometown, uh, which is our tradition. Every time a new Star Wars film comes out, got a couple more showings already planned, but sitting at two right now. All right, cool. And hey, Wes, uh, pop in as well. How many times have you seen this movie so far? Uh, I saw it three times. So I saw it twice on opening night, back to back. And then I saw it last night again with Chase, who's in the chat. Nice. Nicely done. All right, so so mostly three, one, two. So we have had time to digest. Uh, and by digest, we really mean that. Like we said earlier, we have been reading articles, listening to people, chatting with people. You know, we didn't do that thing where we're not going to talk to each other before we record to make it a surprise. We have literally never had such an active slack between just the three of us. Um, our Discord, um, Rise of Skywalker channel has gotten over 800 messages a day. We looked at the data on that. So we want you guys to know the opinions that we are sharing today are our own, but they are definitely influenced by a lot of people. Uh, so you may hear stuff that sounds familiar if you've been listening to other podcasts, if you've been reading other articles. By all means, be as informed as you can. We definitely are. Um, so above all, though, we want to make sure that this is established. We love Star Wars, okay? We are in this for life. This is going to be a controversial episode. I know uh, we have we have differing takes on things, and that's okay because we are in this for life, no matter what. We are not changing the podcast because of this movie. We are not not excited for books because of this movie. That's ridiculous, okay? So we believe in being critical but respectful, okay? There's been a lot of disrespect online um, by all kinds of folks that I know are not a part of this community mainly because we are very proud of the community we've cultivated here. We love all of you and your attitudes towards each other, especially, but we will not be doing any kind of negative, um, negative views on people themselves. We will not be taking shots at people's opinions. Um, just, we, we just want to put that out at the front. If you're new to this show, cause you found another rise of Skywalker podcast. Welcome. Um, we're going to try to keep it uplifted. Okay. So just know that going forward, J.J. Abrams, Kathleen Kennedy aren't the only two people that make decisions on anything. So um, that is ridiculous. Bringing Ryan Johnson into the conversation um, in any negative way is also ridiculous. So just like after The Last Jedi, this community is getting really toxic, but there is light going ahead, okay? There's a lot of new content. We're going to talk about that at the end of the episode. So as we go through, guys, don't worry. Your Uncle Eric and Corey and Charles are going to disagree on things. It's going to sound like we're arguing, but it's not your fault. Okay? <laughs> You're okay, kiddo. Go back to bed. Um, but we are going to uh, definitely talk a lot about this film. Our opinions may change as we talk. They've definitely changed with each viewing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all that going ahead. Guys, anything else we want to hit on before we dive right in and we give Corey the keys to this land speeder? Yeah, I want to just say one thing that kind of piggybacks off what you were saying, Eric. You're going to hear us disagree. Y'all might disagree with... 
uh, things that one of us say. Maybe we'll all think the same thing about one thing and you'll think differently. The important thing is that you're not wrong for, for what you think. You know, no right. one, even if you disagree with us or anyone else, if you're the only person that thinks something, it doesn't matter. You're not wrong. Everyone experiences these movies in their own way, like certain parts, dislike certain parts, and that's absolutely fine. Stick to your guns, love what you love, move on from what you don't, as we've always said. Absolutely. And real quick in the chat, we're talking about people who have seen it the most. Uh, it looks like Timothy Dunlap has seen it four times. I want to shout out to Juliana in our Discord. Uh, she has seen it, I believe, five or six times. She's, oh, wow. she's at six right. this morning. She, he's at six. So like, she's got the crown right now, which is I think is more than once a day. Yeah. Um, so well done. All right, Corey, you've trained for this. You've prepared for this. <laughs> it's all yours. I am ready for the trials. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> All right. To kind of kick off this conversation, I want to kind of metagame for a little bit. I want to talk about the big picture. I'm not talking about the canon big picture. I'm talking about the cultural big picture. All right. Where are we at in regards to Disney? Where are we at in regards to filmmaking? Let's talk about this. All right. So let's set the stage. The Last Jedi put Disney in a very challenging place as a company like it was way more divisive than the force awakens was a ton of people didn't like it they were super disappointed with how their heroes were depicted um there was a lot of mixed opinions on the character rose and i think the movie kind of brought out kind of the worst part of our community in a lot of ways like why do you guys think that happened like the aftermath in the last jedi uh -huh. was terrible like uh, worse than i ever remember is definitely worse than um in the force awakens mm -hmm. but do you think it was just a mismanagement of expectations like why why did that happen for me last jedi and this is and one of my one of my many hot takes i'll say on this episode i think it the people that didn't like it and not if you didn't care for it that's fine the people that were vocally angry about it for two goddamn years right fundamentally misunderstood the purpose of the film and the message it sent like everything that luke talks about not understanding is what people that watch the last jedi and hate it didn't understand they didn't understand that heroes can be fallible and that's an interesting story they didn't understand that luke's character in that film was actually a great evolution and ended with the best most amazing victory possible um and the darker side as well um which a lot of people have talked about is a lot of inherent bigotry in that film. I think that there was a lot of people that did not like Rose because she was one, a strong woman character, but also she was uh, the first person of Asian descent we've had in Star Wars in that kind of a big of a role. And that's something that isn't always the most obvious racism, but it's definitely there. We got people that didn't like Holdo because she was a strong female character, but she didn't look tough enough. Like she still wore a dress and still like had this strength. And why are men going to listen to her? Why shouldn't she just shut up and sit in her place while Poe, the badass who disobeys all the rules, gets, you know, gets in charge? So I think there was a lot of hatred that came out in that way because th those kind of characters hadn't been seen in Star Wars before and those kind of challenges hadn't been put forward before. So instead of opening themselves up to see what can I learn from this movie uh, and just admire about this film aesthetically, they said, nope, dumb, I'm, I'm taking off the headphones and I'm going to yell as loudly as possible. And the people that were affected by that were a lot of people from those communities. And of course, they're going to fight back because it's their livelihood and their personhood that was being attacked. I think that's what brought out the ugliness. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that there was certainly a pretty healthy portion of the dissenters that felt that way. And, like, I don't even have anything to say to the people that that had an issue with Rose because she was, you know, whatever, an Asian-American woman in a lead role. Like, I, I have nothing to say to you. If you're going to hate the movie because of that, anything I say right now is not going to change you're, your mind. You're wrong like, by default because that's... Yeah, also, yeah, just, like, get out. Just get move out. along. Like, move yeah. along. For the people, there were... I think The Last Jedi has aged well in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot more love for it now than there was initially. But I think it is important to remember, I mean, there are flaws in that film too. There are flaws in, in any film. But a lot of the major sure. issues that people had were things that they shouldn't have, like the things that you're addressing, Eric. Um, and then there obviously was a very healthy portion of people who felt like they had been waiting since Return of the Jedi to see Luke in the manner that they expected to see him in. And they didn't get it. And they weren't promised that. That's just something that they were built up in their head, which is something that we've talked about a lot, where you have to manage your expectations. And just because you don't get the story that you wanted or you felt like you deserved or any of these other things, that doesn't mean that you should blanket hate the film. It doesn't mean that you should look for the positives in the film and all these certain things. But when you talk about a character like Luke Skywalker, who, I mean, has been one of the most formative characters in star Wars and for a ton of people out there in the world that like, that was their hero. That was the guy for so long. And for them to get a story they didn't like, I think for him in particular, a lot of hatred grew out of that. Yeah. And I think one of the things too, just to, to, to kind of cap this is that this was the first movie where people hated it, could go on Twitter and found 10,000 people who were screaming just as loudly. And they're like, Oh cool. I'm home. Like it's mob mentality. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. it's the idea that I mean, Stacy, Stacy on our team said she had a pizza delivered this week and the pizza guy saw that she was wearing a Last Jedi shirt and he like kind of went off on her about how yep. much it sucked. I'm like, I, I bet you if you ask that guy how many times he saw it, he'd probably say once. Yeah. Like, oh, there's a guy uh, having me at Subway this this week. I'm like, I'm going to go see Star Wars. He's like, oh, I don't like those those new films. I'm like, who like it, it kind of gave people the idea they had the right to like shit on people in public. Yeah. about their favorite movie and right the, it's a lot the, of the media's fault too the way that it was yes, kind of portrayed because outrage so now i know we're really harping on this but i think this is important um one thing i've seen a lot in other podcasts and mediums is like like uh, let me back up a little bit i'm gonna argue very very hard in this episode that star wars is not black and white ever like it's yeah. gray all the time and there's something to read between the lines in every single moment okay um, now that being said, there's been a lot of I've seen a lot of stuff about putting people in boxes. People have said very regularly since the Rise of Skywalker came out that if you liked the Last Jedi, you're not going to like the Rise of Skywalker. If you disliked the Last Jedi, you're going to love the Rise of Skywalker. Have you guys seen that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So let's let's establish really quick kind of where we all stand on the Rise of Sky on uh, on on the Last Jedi because I want I want our listeners to understand that it's not simple for us at all. So kind of just coming out the gate, uh, I can tell you when I walked out of The Last Jedi, like I wasn't like, wow, this is the most amazing film I've ever seen at all. Like I felt really weird, honestly, coming out of The Last Jedi. Like I felt sort of mixed emotions, mixed feelings. I felt a little hurt the same way that a lot of people felt about Luke. But also I've re- I realized there was something there that was different and unique and it felt original and artistic like the way that a new hope felt in a lot of ways Uh and 
So that, that being said, my second viewing, I walked away with the theater with a very positive experience. And I really liked the movie after that. And I've grown to really love The Last Jedi. And I really do think that we're going to look back on The Last Jedi 10 years from now, the way we look at Empire, as such, it was such a such a varied and interesting film. I think we're going to look at The Last Jedi as that film in this trilogy. Mm-hmm. How did you guys uh, feel walking out of the theater of The Last Jedi? Were you like immediately in the love camp? Did you hate it? I was immediately in the like, like I was like, oh, that was really well done. Like my, my actor brain went off of like the shots and the acting was incredible. Like I was like, that's amazing. But it was, we talk a lot about the first viewing is to kind of take it in. The second one is to process, right? Um, so I wasn't quite, I, I don't, negative is not the right word for you, Corey, but I wasn't quite there, but I was similar. And then the mm-hmm. second time I'm like, oh no, this is brilliant. Yes. And I, I watched The Last Jedi three times last week. Um, (laughs) because I watched it once for myself and then my girlfriend's like, we should watch it before you see. I'm like, okay, cool. Wait, we'll do it together. And then I got home and my mom said, Hey, can we watch it? I'm like, sure. Why not? (laughs) So, um, I now think last Jedi is an absolute masterpiece of filmmaking, both as a film and both in star Wars, it is right up there with empire. And as far as my number one film, it depends on my mood straight up. I think it's great. I am. I'm in awe of what they were able to do. I may have felt the most strongly. I walked out of The Last Jedi thinking that like the ending was dope. Like I loved everything on crate, but before that point, I felt like it was kind of a cluster. And like I was I was not comfortable at all with what I was seeing on screen. It I don't know if it was just expectation for me or what it was, but I walked out of there not happy. And I think I saw I think I saw it, I mean, several times with different groups of people and kind of I was walking away every time where I wasn't as like shocked by what I was seeing, but I still wouldn't say that I necessarily loved it. And the more that I sat and thought about what was done in the movie and the more conversations I had, I have entirely flipped now. And I wasn't one of those people who's getting online telling everyone it was a terrible movie and you should hate it and this, that, and the other thing. But like, I really wasn't happy. And the more that I've talked and the more that I've processed and whatnot i really really love that movie now like i I think it is incredibly done i'm actually entirely at peace with the decisions that they made uh in fact i i enjoy those decisions and i was happy to kind of be sprung from those into the rise of skywalker and see what they were going to do with them so i mean these even seeing the rise of skywalker twice you may hear my thoughts here now and i may feel differently in a year's time who knows absolutely yeah so kind of going back to the big picture a little bit, let's talk about kind of how Disney reacted, I guess, a little bit after The, the Last Jedi, right? So mm-hmm. this is just my interpretation. I wrote these notes. This is my thoughts and kind of where I, I thought kind of things were going. This is what we saw in media headlines, what we saw in interviews with Kathleen Kennedy and Ryan Johnson and the actors and actresses. Like, this is what we we saw, right? When Disney was faced with the opposition of The Last Jedi, the controversy, if you will, the like... They didn't apologize like at all. After no, that. no, like, no. They were not like, you're right. We made some creative decisions, and those were those were maybe some of those were mistakes. I know some of your people were let down, and we're kind of sorry for that. That wasn't the the reaction at all. In fact, they like really doubled down on what happened in the last Jedi. They yeah. said that like anyone can be a hero, right? Ray yep. is not a bloodline character. You know, tough shit fanboys. Yep. That was kind of Daisy, the stuff that- Daisy Ridley's interviews are like. I'm, why do people keep thinking that she can't be her own woman? Like she, she would make fun of those fans in interviews to be like, "No, we're doubling down in our movie." Kathleen Kennedy's like, "Hey, Ryan Johnson's getting his own trilogy. We loved working with him so much. We love right. this guy. Like right. it was all that." 
Right, right, right. They defended the creative decisions they made in The Last Jedi. They said they stood by them. Yep. Um, they said, like, literally outright that they designed a film that was not for older fans. Like, they mm-hmm. said those exact words. Like, I can find the interviews and show you where they mm-hmm. said those things. And, like, they said that instead their goal, just like George Lucas created a story for kids, right? They said that their goal was to create a new generation of Star Wars fans, right? Mm-hmm. Do you guys feel like the Rise of Skywalker contradicts a lot of that? Because I definitely do, like big time. Um, without without question for me, I think uh I'll, I'll get to this later as we get to the through the show. My opinion on the film just purely has has increased with each viewing. Um, but what has not changed is how how much I feel Disney's hands on this movie and how much I I, I cannot get away from the fact that it it reads like a movie that is apologizing to toxic fans and that right. is that is that is that was made in apology and is and was made kind of as a surprise to a lot of people that worked on the last film like i i i can't not see how the actors are more guarded as they're talking i can't not see some of Kathleen Kennedy's answers to questions because we we live in that media landscape like right. i went into this film ignoring everything i'm like guys you're reading into it it doesn't matter. Let's just watch the film. But after seeing the movie, I go back and I'm like, okay, I can't defend. I can't defend it now because right. I see it. It really feels like to me, at least. I know I, I wrote all this. It really feels to me like they just chose to quote unquote give the fans what they want. Maybe yeah. for money. Maybe like, and, and maybe I get... it feels very corporate to me. Which it does. like yeah. I don't know if you guys have watched the. What's the what's the documentary I keep talking about on Disney Plus? What's it called? Empire, Empire of Dreams. Dreams. Empire of Dreams on Disney Plus. Like it's a lot of a lot of George's interviews about like the original New Hope. Like like that whole concept of feeling very corporate and giving people what they want is like completely against the ideology of George Lucas himself. Like yeah. he hated corporations meddling in stuff. That I think was his it's whole so, it's so difficult because like we don't know necessarily where these decisions are being made like it could be from terrio and abrams or it could be all the way up at the top of the chain it could be coming from Iger. like we just we don't know at what point these decisions are being made who has the ultimate say and then i think it's also important you have to judge all of these story decisions one as like a plot point within like in universe like does this mesh with what we know and what we've been told before and now unfortunately you have this other angle you have to come at it from which is like what was Disney as a corporation, what was their hand in this? Which is something you never really had to worry about before with George Lucas making these films, right? And I would and I would argue even us at Utini have been staunch. I don't know, like Disney defender is such a disgusting phrase, but I think we we have like we have been very much like guys don't overreact to how much power Disney has in the canon. Do not worry about the movies. Like this is Star Wars. Like right, we are all in it, and we and we've liked a lot of the content we've gotten. And this is the first time that I really felt like, oh, shit, are are we actually in it now? Like, I can't – I has everything we've been saying and fighting for not necessarily been true? Because I think you can argue plot points like you're saying, Charles. You can make yourself be okay with plot points over years if you force yourself. Uh, but that's – it's not that simple anymore. Right. The tone is very different, I think, from this film than the yeah. last yeah. two films. Like, it feels very corporate to me. Like, that's the yep. easiest way that I can put it. Like, like it feels like they kind of 
you know, change their mind a little bit about some of the stuff that they argued really hardcore after The Last Jedi. And I mean, that's a business decision, but it just feels odd yeah. to me. And, and the thing is, I think, I mean, it is it is ridiculous to think that movies don't get made by businesses. Like, oh, of course. Like, this has happened oh forever. Yes. All right, um, let's 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 back up a little a little bit too. Like, there's one yeah. point that that you briefly mentioned er- earlier, Eric, that I want to like revisit now that we're talking about this. Mm-hmm. This movie is not J.J. Abrams's movie. Can we talk about that for a second? Like, this movie doesn't belong to J.J. Abrams. It doesn't no. belong to Kathleen Kennedy. It doesn't belong to Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney. Like, there are hundreds of people that right. influence the decision making on on a film like this. There are board of directors, there are creative mm-hmm. writing teams, there's the production studios, like there's the 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 very last step when they do all the editing and then they show it to people and people yeah. go, "Oh yes, I don't like that. Let's switch the timing around." And like there's a ton of people, all right? So, like I'm already seeing there's a little bit of this comment a little this in the in the chat right now. People are talking about like how it how it seems like movies belong to JJ or Ryan Johnson. And like, people were saying like, well, I wish just Ryan Johnson would have done all three or I wish JJ would have done all three. Like I want to make it really, really clear that I firmly believe that the director does not have a lot to do with a lot of the quote unquote creative decisions. Like, and, like and, uh, and, they do, but at yeah. the same time, like you can't be like JJ ruined this movie or Ryan Johnson ruined the last Jedi because it's not that simple. Well, and I think the tough thing comes in this is that with with the Last Jedi, you can look at that and and you can absolutely think, regardless of truth, this is Ryan Johnson's movie. And I think that I can believe that as a fan watching it, like it is written and directed by Ryan. It seems like a unified vision of a film. You know what? You know what I mean. So mm-hmm. even though businesses make movies, as a fan watching it, you shouldn't be able to see that. And I think that's what is the difference between Rise of Skywalker and Force Awakens and Last Jedi. Force Awakens and Last Jedi, if I didn't know a lot about the movie business, I can say, oh, this is a J.J. movie. This is a Ryan movie. And, and right. that's pretty conceivable. With the Rise of Skywalker, anyone, I would assume, can see like, oh, this is a, this is a corporation making a film. And you can almost see the meetings that they were having from point oh, to yeah. point. Totally. And I think that that's... That's the harder part, movie making wise. Like, we'll get to the things about the lore that we liked and didn't like and stuff like that. But right. just purely pure... movie making, you're totally right. Like, it's yeah. something like that. That's what George Lucas was most afraid of. Like, he yes. did not want, like, you know, 10 people in suits at a boardroom table coming in and being like, yeah, we just don't like that that Vader is Luke's father. That just doesn't really make a lot of sense to us. Can you change that? Like, yeah. he hated that. He wanted to be the creative person on board, yeah. right? Because you, you need someone in an artistic process, whether, again, you're in a theater show uh, like I've been in, whether you're on a commercial shoot, whether you're on a film shoot, there needs to be one voice that says, that's the take. Or there needs to be one voice that says, this is the scene. Like, right. You can have we don't we, we don't and we don't know who that is on this film, no. and it's nope. impossible. We'll never know. Maybe we'll see a documentary twenty five years from now that talks about all the crap that had to do and like. Not, we, not we produced that. by Disney. We, I'll tell you we, that. Oh yeah, definitely not. But we see <laughs> that we see like that. Bob Iger walked into the studio one day and was like, "Yeah, we hate all this. Let's change it." Like maybe it was him. I don't know. Like yeah. you can't say that anybody is the villain here because no, it's not possible. All right, let's 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 kind of plow on through this. So I, I want to talk about this. I think this is super important. I think it's now more clear than literally ever that there was never a plan for a trilogy. Like, they didn't have a plan for this trilogy that they paid a fortune for. Let's talk about that for a second. Disney effectively paid 
$4 billion for these three films, right? Not just Star mm-hmm. Wars. They paid $4 billion to make this trilogy. This was the most important trilogy. I don't know that Disney will ever make more money than they did on A Force Awakens, like ever, all right? Because it was Star Wars is back. There was that hype factor. They paid $4 billion to make this trilogy. The fact that they chose to shoot from the hip with mm-hmm. that much money on the line is unfathomable. Like, if I was an investor with money in Disney, after this movie, I would be pulling out so hard. And I think because that's just crazy. It's yeah. just so freaking crazy to me. And here, here's my two cents about that, and then I want to throw it to Charles. Um, I think that you can absolutely change story things as you go. Like, we all know Vader was not originally Luke's father. Luke and Leia weren't siblings, right? Like that, And that's fine. I think as far as story things go... That's going to evolve as time goes in the mind of the creator, 100%, right? I think Lucas had an idea, but then he would adjust a little bit here and there. But he but he basically knew the, the structure, right? We can all basically agree on that. And I think that's the difference in this, that the first two movies, I was still pretty convinced that there was an overall structure. Like, yes, there was a lot of differences that happened, and oh, we'll have to evolve from here we'll hand off the baton and we'll go right instead of left, blah, blah, blah. But now I'm like, oh, you weren't even on a racetrack. Like, right. I, I, I think you, ha- you had a baton and you kind of hoped someone mm-hmm. would grab it. Um, but beyond that, it, it, it's weird. Again, I'm not angry about it. I'm not necessarily sad about it. I am perplexed. Charles, what do you think? Well, I think, you know, what you guys are saying is correct. There needs to be some kind of a through line if you're going to do a trilogy like this and here there wasn't. And I think it's even more apparent in this scenario than it may have been if we had had Colin Trevorrow do this third movie, because you have the someone doing the first installment and then picking back up in the third installment. And, you know, everyone that worked on the force awakens was laying certain breadcrumbs that mm-hmm. may or may not have come to fruition. Like look at things like the Knights of Ren, like entirely yeah. disappeared and Oh wait, now they're back, you know? Yeah, And I don't blame the creatives for wanting to pick up on the ideas that they had when they're hired to come back and finish out this film. But The Last Jedi was a hard right from, I think, where J.J. was going. And he tried to put it back on that. And I I believe he or whoever, the creatives, tried to put it more back in line with what they were going for in the beginning. And having a hard right followed by a hard left is just jarring. Like that's... Listen, and yeah, we're not man. we're not we're not saying that they did it because of the Last Jedi either. That's not what we're saying. No, we're no, just no. saying that like it's different. Like all three and, movies are very very different, and and in a lot of ways don't tell a a very cohesive story. Exactly, and they didn't work. We know really that they didn't work together very much. There's the famous bit about how the uh, the Force Awakens was supposed to end with that shot of Luke on Octo, and he was supposed to have a bunch of boulders floating around him that he was levitating in the Force. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Johnson was like, hey, this is my idea. Do you mind if we just take those boulders out? And he's just standing there. And J.J. was like, yeah, whatever. I'm I'm not doing the next movie. Like, that's you. We'll do that. But, like, outside of that, they really there was very little discussion between mm-hmm. anyone. Yeah. yeah, well, and I think that's the exciting thing, again, coming from the actor background of, like, improvisational acting, right? Is whatever someone says, even if it's not what you imagine, you say, yes, and, right? That's the cliche. Yes, I'll do that and then add to it. And I think that's... Well, Last Jedi was, was I see everything you're doing. Yes, that all happened, but then I'm going to go this way. Mm-hmm. And Rise of Skywalker felt like them kind of yes-anding still from Force Awakens and not so much from Last Jedi. And yeah. I think that, um, again, we don't know the overall business stuff. And 
uh, again, for people, it sounds like we're we're harping a lot on the business. We want to get it out of the way because it's, right. it's this is the, the this is the big stuff. this is the big picture politics crap that unfortunately affects affects movies and what George Lucas hated. Yeah, and, and I feel like we have to talk about this because it's culturally important for like like regardless if the movie was good or not. Right, it's it's important because this is the stuff surrounding the film. Right, the history is going to write itself. So yeah. let's let's kind of dive into the next point I want to make, which is that this film was marketed as the conclusion of the Skywalker saga, rather mm-hmm. than just the conclusion of the sequel trilogy. Right, right? like no, I feel like the first time we heard about this was at Celebration last year in Chicago. I remember hearing it, and, there, and everybody was just really on on this thing about. It's the end of the Skywalker saga, and I was like, oh, it's kind of kind of weird. We haven't really heard that yet. Um, <laughs> do you guys think that was kind of odd? Like, did it feel out of place for you? Like, did it feel like a last minute decision? It kind of felt that way for me. Uh, not for me. I don't. I, I think that they always knew Nine was going to be end of the saga. Um, I think there are parts in the movie that feel odd for me in that way. But but as far as the end marketing of the end of an era, the end of forty two years, that felt pretty organic. Yeah, it didn't strike me as that odd. Um, it, I do agree that it kind of came out of nowhere when they started marketing it that way. But I think uh-huh. I have to imagine that is what they were really intending from the beginning. I mean, yeah, I they're they're not there are no plans for ten, eleven, twelve. Like technically, yeah. George Lucas right. was talking about nine films way back in the day. So I I yeah. think that's what they were going for. They just may not have pushed that message until rather late in the game. Yeah, and I and I'll say here too again. Uh, just a purely not positive, not negative, just objective, creative opinion. I wonder what a different movie it would be if they had just focused on, let's round up this trilogy as opposed to let's yeah. round up this saga. Because it seems like if they had just said, let's make episode nine that that rounds out this trilogy. And like seven, and eight had done, we'll sprinkle things in from the beginning parts of the saga just fine. But because it's the end of the Skywalker saga, you had so many people, especially online, wondering well, now is Anakin still the chosen one? Uh, how are they going to bring in Obi-Wan? Like, how are they going to do all this stuff? And that pressure had to be really difficult. Yeah, totally. Totally. All right, so I want to take a break right here for just a second. And I want to say, like, I'm, like, reading the chat. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Listen, you guys are really freaking out in the chat. Um, I think I think I didn't, really didn't plan to make any sort of statements like this, you guys, but, like, I feel like we need to say – I think all three of us walked away from this film with a very positive experience. Can we say that? Yeah. 100%. I don't think we can say very positive. I think we say positive. Yes. I am. Okay, I, I think from Charles all conversations we've positive. had. Yeah. Yeah. The conversations we've had behind the scenes. I think, I don't think either of you would disagree. I had the most positive experience yeah. with oh, yeah. this film totally. out of us three. Totally. I'm, I'm happy with it actually. I mean, yes. there are, there are flaws with it, like with any movie, but I'm actually, I'm happy with it. Well, and I think that's the thing. That's why these, this is in this section of the podcast. We're going to talk the business stuff and the overarching thing, um, effects on actual people in the real world. That's the concerning stuff. we really. like the, the movie itself. Unfortunately, is um is not quite second to it but it's getting there like i yeah. think that overall our our negative stuff is gonna come at this part because this is the real world stuff that's happening um so so breathe everybody again like luke says just breathe we're okay right. we're gonna get to the like, to the actual loving of the movie which is valid and which is yes. awesome at least half the document that i'm reading off of our notes is all positive stuff yeah, so this listen is a long don't worry episode. we're we gonna have you. a we're gonna have a lot of really <laughs> positive things to say i'm telling you guys don't freak out yet hopefully right? no one has turned this off already because all they're hearing is this crap i know i know i know, 
uh, yeah. You can't talk about Corey's I really, voice I really that hope way. Not. Now, see, you know, everybody, everybody else that I've listened to does this in the opposite direction. They always start with the positive and then end with the negative. And I just don't like that. I don't like the way that that it makes you feel because I don't want I don't want listeners to walk away from this like, man, maybe maybe the Rise of Skywalker was bad. Or, or yeah. maybe the Last Jedi was bad because that's how I felt. That's how I felt after the Last Jedi. Like I, I grew to love it myself independently mm-hmm. with my own growth, and then all this awful stuff came out, and I was like, "Man, maybe I don't like the Last Jedi yeah. anymore." Like it ruined it for me, and I don't yeah. want to do that for you. I want to do the so opposite. We got you. We I want to ruin you. it. I want to ruin it at first, <laughs> but then I want to fix it. Okay? We're gonna that's get what, you. Yes, that's what we're gonna do. All right, so let's talk about. Let's go into the film. All right, that's what everybody's here for. Let's quit talking about politics, which sucks. All right, let's talk about yep. the movie. Where are we at the end of The Last Jedi? What plot points were established at the end of The Last Jedi? Let's kind of go through that. Ray was learning who she is, right? She was told at the end of The Last Jedi that she's nobody uh, by Kylo no, Ren. She, she, doesn't, she, said, she admits it herself first. I think that, that is so that's a good key. Point. Mm-hmm. He says, have you always known? And Ray herself says, my parents were nobody. And then Ren says, you're correct. They were nobody. They were filthy junk traders. So he confirms it, but she says it first. And I think a lot of like clickbaity articles forgot that. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, Luke is gone. Ugh. Tragic death by Luke Skywalker. It's a super Beautiful. emotional experience, but beautifully done. Really liked it. Um, and he disappeared into exile, no less. Like You may disagree with his motives or the idea that a hero would take this route into exile, but that's what happened, and yep. it was portrayed on film. We had Master Yoda supporting that, of all things. Yep. So, And actually, like after his most heroic moment possibly of his entire life, too. Like He, yeah, he, he taps into the Force. He's, he projects a Force image across the galaxy, right. which, is, which is untold power. It's an amazing moment. Right. The redemption that Luke Skywalker needed, if you will, like yep. to atone for doing like disappearing Um, got it so yeah all right the resistance is totally effed right there's like 10 of them or some shit like they're all on the falcon there's like (laughs) nobody left um we have everything we need don't worry that's right that's right (laughs) apparently apparently that's all it takes yep um snoke is dead all right uh he was a meat puppet he's dead as hell his tongue was hanging out that was really hilarious and kind of awkward in a lot of ways yep. <laughs> um kylo ren and hux are in charge apparently mm-hmm. um we saw hux kind of portrayed as like the head of everything is definitely not the way he is in this film so that's very yeah, interesting well, kylo ren that. is now the supreme leader he is that's right ascended the supreme leader kylo ren that's right i love that in the last jedi where he's like gonna take out his pistol or whatever oh like, that was so great good. that was great all right last thing and the absolute most important the tragedy that carrie fisher is dead she tragically passed away. This was supposed to be her, mail, her her movie, right? Yeah. The Rise of Skywalker was supposed to be her film, and yep. she passed away. I think that threw a bigger wrench in this whole thing than literally anything else. I think they – I will argue that they had to completely rewrite the movie because Carrie Fisher passed away. Agreed. Completely. I think this would have been a completely different film if Carrie Fisher had lived. Yeah, and on that note, I'm actually, I want to ask you guys a question on that. Do you think, um, objectively speaking, they should have recast? No, recast Carrie Fisher. I yeah. don't think so. Okay, I don't think I don't was, think so either. I but I think, think it was that's possible. A, yeah. Okay. Just a thought. I I, I mean I, I I agree. I but I do think that like this is a situation that has never happened in the history of film. And again, hoping going forward never will again. We never want anyone to pass away um tragically yeah tragically but terrible yeah all right Absolutely. so um let's i want to make this kind of quick because i know we can really get hung up on this point but 
knowing where we were at the end of The Last Jedi, where all yes. the plot has established us at the end of The Last Jedi, what were your thoughts, your initial emotional reaction inside the theater watching The Rise of Skywalker, immediately watching out? Now, now immediately walking out. So I don't want to hear you say, I liked it or I don't like it. I want to hear your emotional journey. Like, okay. describe what it was like to sit through this film and then to walk out and then the ride home with your significant other, right? Mm-hmm. Or whoever you were with. Like, what was that like for you? Charles, why don't you go first? Man, that first showing is so difficult to even articulate the feelings I was having because I was I was having them all. And they were hitting me hard and fast. And depending on what was going on on the screen, it, I would entirely flip. But, I mean, just overwhelmed is probably, like, the best word that I can use sitting in the theater for that first showing. As the lights kind of went down... I was still really processing it, and we've had this discussion before how that happens, and Nicole asked me, you know, when we were walking out, she just asked this casual question, again, as like a casual fan, she was like, so what'd you think? And I was just <laughs> like, I, I don't know what I thought, like, I need, I need so much time to unpack this. Um, I felt, I, and I'm not going to say like I liked it or disliked it, but I felt satisfied in that, you know, I, I felt that overall with the major story beats, they got the story through what it needed to get through. I didn't always love how they got there, but I felt like it accomplished probably what it what it set out to accomplish. But I was certainly uncomfortable uh, and, and overwhelmed, and I'm still kind of working through some of that. What about you guys? Um, so when I went in, I was so stressed before the movie started because I was so afraid of hearing an accidental spoiler in the theater, right? Me too. Oh my God, I was me like, too. End it. Just start it. Just start it. Just, 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 I want to know so I can stop worrying. So that was, a, yeah. that was a, that was a feeling. Um, the pacing of the film at the beginning was, was so fast that I felt like I couldn't catch my breath. So physically I was uncomfortable because I'm like, uh, 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 like, I, I felt like I couldn't catch up. Um, the Ray parentage thing really affected me because I saw it with two of my best friends. We just recorded a separate podcast and we're like, okay, what's the one thing you want from this movie? And they're like, well, the one thing I don't want is Ray's parentage to be um, changed. And I was like, they're mm-hmm. not going to do that. There's no way. And, and like, and we cast it off. And when that moment happened, all three of us, I just felt the, oh, expectations, of, and, man, expectations. Well, like, and then, and then we'll get to that bigger part in a second. But like, I, but then it kept going and going, and I kept thinking during the movie, like, I like this, right? I, No, I got to like this. There's no way I can't. And as it ended, the first thing I did was I got up and I looked at my friends, and they're, re- they're really great friends because they did not like it. But they were like, hey, like, cool, right? Like, they were really, they were really being positive. And I was like, guys, <laughs> I think that was a mess. And I, and I felt, I felt hollow for two days. Like, I was physically... Oh my god! Ill, sense. like I was, I was just like I, I didn't quite know how to exist because you I kept just... sending me to voicemail. Yeah, exactly. I was I calling gotta, you. <laughs> I got an answer from my buddy, my lifeline. But I, I just thought that the filmmaking was a mess. I was kind of in a tailspin, so it, it was a very uncomfortable first showing for me. Unfortunately, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I had nearly as negative experience as you, Eric. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't really call the feelings that I have had had negative feelings like Mm -hmm. in that first showing, it was just, I can't describe it in any other way except for total shell shock. Like Mm -hmm. even the crawl, like, Oh my God, like it it revealed that the question that we've all had from the trailers is Palpatine's back. And the first three words of the crawl are the big reveal we've been waiting for, for like a year. 
All right. Yeah. Like, the first three words are are that review, and I was just like, I was completely shocked by that. Like I feel like I just like getting like punched really f- hard in the face, and I'm trying to like wake up so I can watch the film, but I can't see because I'm seeing spots like. I just couldn't react at mm-hmm. all because it was such a gut punch right in the beginning. Not in a bad way, per se. It was just so shocking. Like a, like you see in the movies, a grenade grows, goes off, and they're hearing <laughs> the ringing. And like, yeah, yeah. And, and somebody runs up, to, runs up to them, and they're, they're holding them by their shoulders, and you can see their mouth moving, and they're like, what is he saying? He's trying to say, but I can't hear him. All I can hear is this ringing. Like, that's what it felt like for me. Mm-hmm. Like, for the first probably hour of the film, and then everything just happened so fast. It was such a, a, a range of emotions of guilt i felt yeah. i felt yes joy. Guilt, guilt is a great one i i went to my friend's kitchen for an hour afterwards i paced around the kitchen and i was like guys guys i'm I, i'm a voice for positivity in star wars and when i'm having these thoughts why doesn't why don't i like this what and i i had a i had what's close to a breakdown of like yeah how do i not love everything about this um and then, luckily, my friend surprised me with the Ahsoka lightsabers from Galaxy's Edge, and everything was better. But <laughs> all right, <laughs> so I, I think this is important to say because, again, we're at a fairly negative place after talking about our first showing. Let's talk about our most recent showing, yes. kind of how we how we felt. All right, I, I can kind of start that. I walked out of my third showing with feelings of total peace, total peace, like serenity, even like mm-hmm. like the shell shock was over. Right. I had established what I did and didn't like about the film. Like I felt like the stuff that I disliked, I was going to be able to come to terms with. And I felt like the stuff that I liked, I felt like I really liked it. And I could, I could Mm -hmm. explain why I really liked it. Like Mm -hmm. the third viewing is what did that for me. It was like all the pieces perfectly fell into place on that third viewing. And like, I am now walking away from this. I feel good. I feel like I've had a positive experience man what a freaking emotional roller coaster of the last couple days but Mm -hmm. like i feel good now and i see redeeming qualities in this film which we're going to complete this episode with when we talk about where we go from this next but i don't know what about you charles you had a more positive experience i think but what was your second viewing like i did man because i'm telling you the first showing is always just so overwhelming but eventually i kind of i get the feeling of what i felt about the major plot points and it's that second viewing for me where i look for the supporting facts for like the feelings that i'm having and i have whatever head canon even sometimes and i look for those little details in the film that help me through that and i felt like they're there for for a lot of the major plot points in this movie and so i felt kind of validated in some of the thoughts that i was having re-watching it And again, I walked away very happy from my second showing. It is not at all, to be clear, what I expected this movie to be, which I think is why I felt so overwhelmed with that first showing. But I am happy for what it is, and I definitely accept what it is. And I think it will continue to probably grow on me even more as we move forward. Yeah. um, My second showing, which is one by myself, I... I kind of doubled down on the negative, unfortunately. Like I, I found myself bored for a bit of it, and I was just like, "Oh, like I, I, I." My my first thought was, "I want to get all my IMAX posters to finish my set, but do I have to see this movie four more times?" <laughs> oh my god! No, but <laughs> so wait for it. Wait for the dude. This is how bad I was. I wanted to throw up for days. I I couldn't. I didn't understand my body. <laughs> so so here's the great part of the story. Um, Sunday morning, I went with my mom. To go see it. We've seen all the films together except for the OT. And we went at 8 a.m. to a theater an hour away in IMAX. 
so I could get my poster and we can make the family Christmas party in time. There was like eight people in this theater, right? Um, so I sat next to my mom and I calmed myself because I saw her like when Han showed up, like she almost cried. When all these things, she was like so happy seeing these things. And maybe it was being next to my mom. Maybe it was knowing all the stuff that had happened. But I also felt that serenity um, to your point, Corey. And I felt I ended it. I'm like, I'll totally see this three more times. I'm very excited mm-hmm. to do that. Oh, man, and same. Oh, my God. So, I'm going to see this like five more times at least. But it, yeah, I so, can't wait to go back. Yeah, so and here's where I've ended. I think that I am I am fine now seeing it. I think it, it didn't change in my overall rankings, which we'll get to later on. Um, but I'm like, okay, this is what it is. However, it did put a bigger um, kind of dichotomy between my feelings and also what I feel like my responsibility is towards people that felt disenfranchised or kind of let down by it. And I think that, that that's a really weird feeling too is that the bigger issues which we talked about at the top of this episode are still there, and I, I, I don't think those will leave. Um, and there will be right. other things, especially involving the next three things right. we're going to talk about that well, those, are still problems. All, all of those were present in The Last Jedi too, right? And, and you, we all learned well, to look past them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I think there there's a couple bigger picture issues which we're literally about to talk to on this document that haven't left. But for me, just watching it, I am now more at peace I, the stuff I love, I love the Ben Solo stuff. I think is some of the best stuff in the in the the whole series. Period. Mm-hmm. I think Adam period, Driver yeah, is totally. is acting off the charts. Um, there are moments now that I can actually hoot and holler and be excited about, and yeah. I'm so so happy the third viewing did that for me. Yeah, so I I will say that like I, I wish that we could just I I can't ever do this. You can't you can't even ask me to do it. But I wish you guys could see the transcripts of mine charles and eric's chats because when we, fir- when we first started like eric was pretty negative charles was like absent <laughs> he was <laughs> processing i was like trying to be the voice of reason but also i didn't believe in the things that i was preaching right and yeah. then we like we all totally flipped like as we saw it more times like charles became incredibly positive like i got more negative eric came in after his third viewing was like Guys, I think I love this movie. It's <laughs> like, it was... what the hell is these couple of days? Was just such an emotional roller because there's no other way to describe it. Like, guys, I have seen abstract performance art theater, and that feeling I got on Sunday walking out of the third viewing is one of the weirdest moments of my life. <laughs> but is is this not so much fun? Yes. Oh, oh God. I guess it's this is why people so, go on roller coasters. It is. It's so much fun because. Like everybody is just incredibly passionate about this. Like yes. we all just love it. In we a want to love way. it in a respectful That's, way, and we're going to love way. it. And we've chosen to like make the best out of every situation, and yep. it's going to be a ton of fun. So we're really excited uh, to kind of dive into the stuff that we really liked and didn't like. Um, if you would give us just a little bit, we're going to take a really quick break. Uh, a little more negativity coming. Fair warning. All right. Uh, I know you guys in the chat, like you're feeling a little down right now. I promise this episode is going to end on a very, very positive note. Um, I can't wait to dive into the stuff that we loved about the film. Yeah. We are going to um, bendemption ourselves. Oh, my God. So hard. <laughs> like we're super passionate about this. We, we, we have very positive things to say. Um, a little bit of negativity is going to come first. Be ready for that. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. <laughs> Hello there. I'm Meg and I'm a content creator with Utini.com. When I finished watching Star Wars Rebels for the first time, I was heartbroken because it was over. I needed more. And as far as we know, we're not getting any more anytime soon. Dave Filoni, are you listening? Give us more Rebels. 
Please, if you've watched Rebels but haven't read A New Dawn, you should. It's one of the first books that was written for the current, what we call canon. It's like a prequel to Rebels. It tells you the story of what happens to Kanan after Order 66, because he survives, because he's Kanan Jarrus and he's amazing. And it tells you how he and Hera meet, and you know they're going to fall in love and have a son, and bad things are going to happen, but not yet, because this is just a happy story about two people meeting and one day falling in love. This is the book to read for all Star Wars Rebels fans and all Star Wars fans in general. If you read Kenobi, the Legends book, it's by the same author, John Jackson Miller. Love him. So if you want to read this book, but don't own it yet, go to our website, use our Amazon link. So we get a little something back. Whatever Star Wars book you're reading next, I hope you enjoy it. You're listening to The Living Force. May the Force be with you. Hey, everybody. We're back. We're feeling good. I got some Baileys. Happy, happy festive uh, cheer to everybody. Baileys. Dude, that's making me think about old Greg. Oh, my God. I'm old Greg. <laughs> Baileys as close as you can get to Baileys without getting your eyes wet. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's amazing. I'm so glad you guys know who that is. All right, uh, let's all right, dive. Okay. Quick comments. Right I want to address a quick couple comments. Uh, we got uh, Camilla saying she's feeling very hopeful now. That's awesome because mm, I think she's had tough times about that. Uh, and Emma says, "Great episode so far. Love hearing your thoughts. Thank oh. you very much." Uh, Timothy, shoutouts there. Mr. Rez, Meg, Brent. Right. It's okay. Guys. It's okay to be negative, guys. It really is. It's okay to have like negative feelings about things. Don't feel guilty for reacting honestly to things, right? Like it's important to be respectful in how you discuss it, but it's okay to like and dislike different things. And everybody's going to walk away with a different experience than you. So exactly. um, Plowing forward. Here we go. Plowing forward. All right. Let's enter the negativity train. Hardcore. Choo, choo. It seems like a lower tone. I know. It's a, it's a deep Darth Vader's voice on the choo, choo. Choo, I'm not getting on that train, Corey. I know. Not getting on. (laughs) Yeah. I I misplaced my ticket. Charles is going to be aside the train riding Orbach like a cowboy. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So let's talk about what did not work at all in this movie. Now, so we're not going to talk about every tiny little plot hole, all right? We don't do that at Utini. If you're looking no. for literally a list of every stupid thing that doesn't make any sense, then you might as well turn this crap off yeah. right now because – Also, like, we're great at figuring those out. Like, as far as books, movies, like, if you love Star Wars, you yeah. are a pro at covering plot holes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Star <laughs> – it's not a new concept. Like, oh, my God, the Star Wars movies are so full of plot holes. Like, you have to just ignore all of it. Like, this is – a movie about people in space that move rocks and shoot lightning out of their fingers. Okay. There's going to be problems with it. If you're looking for that, go to Reddit, go to Twitter, go to other negative places and find those lists. That's not what we're doing here. Right. We're not interested in that. We're going to talk about what I've been calling. This is harsh guys. I'm afraid to even do this. This is what I've been. This is what I've been calling the three unforgivable sins in this film. Believe me. Harry Potter. Believe me, I wish I could just wish away my feelings, okay? I- I'd like to hear you guys kind of play devil's advocate a little bit on some of these points. If I disagree, I will. I'm already planning to, Corey. <laughs> yes, excellent, excellent. All right, let's dive right in. Three gigantic points. All right, unforgivable sin number one. Are you ready? Yep. Maybe. Palpatine is back. <gasps> what is this, the, Love the crawl? Yes. All right, let me explain. Okay, I got a lot of things to say. I'm going to try to ask questions intermittently, all right? Now, listen, I can totally accept that Palpatine is back. 
100%. Everybody that falls down a shaft in Star Wars is actually alive. Right? That's like <laughs> – Dude, that's Phasma's like, out there somewhere. Oh, Phasma is 100% alive. You can't tell me otherwise. <laughs> like, I will not believe it. Like, it's it's a Star Wars trope that everybody that falls down a shaft is alive. I'm totally okay with that. And Palpatine is, like, the most powerful Sith in millennia, all right? Like, ever. He completely destroyed the Jedi single-handedly. He's, like, the master planner – it's completely plausible that he's back. I can totally yeah. buy that. I like the idea, even. You guys heard me say that I yeah. didn't want him to be back, but I kind of like it now. Like, yeah. Okay, Palpatine's back. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Right? Um, there was some really good stuff in this movie surrounding the fact that Palpatine is back. The Emperor doing the voices in the very beginning, as he was like Maul and um, Darth Vader and Snoke. That was epic. That was I awesome. That. It was so good. I'm all about it. All right. This is what I cannot get past. And the problem is not actually that Palpatine is back. This is actually the problem. The Emperor's state, all right? He's like this little puppet guy on this mechanical droid arm thingy. I don't really understand, okay? Um, His plan doesn't make any sense at all. His motivations don't make any sense at all. Yes, they do. The fact that there's some kind of gigantic secret society out here at the edge of space, and all we see is this little black, like, box thing that he lives in is mind-blowing to me. I don't, I don't understand it at all. All right, so let me let me let me let me go through this, okay? This is why it's so confusing. Okay. Did he want Ray dead? Okay. Did he want her to be Empress, right? Because he called Kylo Ren to kill her like twice. Yeah. Yep. Right, Wait, so, can I answer this? Can I take yeah, this? Yeah, I think this it. may I honestly I was confused on this on my first showing and I think it makes perfect sense now. Here's what it is is Palpatine, ever the mastermind, did not care whether Kylo killed Rey or Rey killed Kylo or any of that. It did not matter. There was no chosen one in this scenario. There was only one thought on his mind, and that was to continue the tradition of the Sith. And he played both sides against each other and told them different things throughout this movie. And that's not surprising because he's the master manipulator that he's going to be doing this. He tells one, he tells Kylo to, I think first he says, kill her right yep mm-hmm. then he says bring her to me mm-hmm. then ray gets there and and he's like wait no kill me but if you look at all these different actions that he was asking people to do they all lead to the same thing and that is the continuation of the sith that is someone sitting on that throne and continuing this tradition being the leader of the final order and controlling the galaxy that is all that palpatine cares about and somehow eradicating the jedi right Right. Because yes. like Ray Ray is yes. dead or Ray is, is betrayed the Jedi either way. Right. Absolutely, because so, that's the ultimate victory of the Sith is to control the galaxy and to extinguish the Jedi. It's that twofold thing. Totally. And where I think it gets lost, and we're I know we're gonna get into this later, is when he ends up just healing himself. And some people were like, Well, if he could do that, why didn't he do that from the beginning? But the answer in that lies in that he did not understand that there was this dyad going on between Ren and Ray, and once he did, he shifted his plans once again because he realized, hey, everything I want, I can accomplish and still be the one on the throne. So obviously, as a true Sith, he's going to choose that. But I think if you look at all of those things together, it really does make sense, even though it is confusing. Yes, all of that was so convoluted in this film. It was. so, And I'm only, all of us are like just now starting to piece it together and how we're going to have to make sense canon. Uh Like that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to follow all of these unforgivable sins with like how I think we need to go forward with this, how we can make sense of it in canon and like to where it it, is not an unforgivable sin anymore, where it becomes a plot point that we didn't love, but 
we can forgive it in yeah. a certain way. Okay. So Agreed. Let me, so let me talk about this confusion and why I was so confused. All right. Okay. I was incredibly confused about what was supposed to happen in the climax of this. All right. Was this always supposed to be some kind of like force essence transfer thing? Like he said, like all the Sith live in me. Does he mean like literally or like metaphorically? Because that's not like what the rule of two is about as far as we know, like at all. Like, mm-hmm. isn't it metaphorical? Like the master passes all he knows to the apprentice. There's a master and apprentice. The master mm-hmm. teaches the apprentice everything they know. And then like they use their knowledge and the additional knowledge to like one up the master. So they kill the master. Yes. And now they're the master. Like, what the hell is that all it was, about? It was so. It was an odd. It was an odd line to literally say essence because of those of us who have read these books and we know about Bane and like the essence transfer and all these things. But I think it was all a metaphor. Yeah. And I think for me, the rule of two is a rule made by people who constantly break rules. Cause I, so I think that like, that's a good point. We but they have stuck to it all this time. Well, and it's worked ish kind of ish yeah. because that's we true. don't, we don't know all the, je- all the Sith Lords between, you know, Plagueis and Bane. Right. It's true. Um, so I think that I think there is definitely an idea that the rule of two works. I think that as far as the rule of two goes, Palpatine was never interested in it. I think yes. Charles, I think you're right. I think Palpatine is all about the rule of one. Palpatine, like Sith Lords like Plagueis played with immortality a bit, but it was always about trying to figure out this the how it would work with the dark science. Whereas Palpatine is like, Oh, if I do this, there's no more Sith but me. I rule everyone. Awesome. It is me, me, me. And I think his hubris about that also is the reason why he doesn't stop the lightning at the end of the movie, because I think he truly believes if he keeps pushing, he will eventually overcome Ray because he's the most powerful being in the galaxy. So I think right. that both those things are the Sith. Charles, what you've said actually does make sense. It does in make my sense. Brain. It does make sense, but I want to I want to kind of take that and I want to explain why it doesn't really work in either either camp go right? for it so we have we have essentially two camps in this whole concept of palpatine's motivations and this is why i say this is an unforgivable sin because his motivations don't make sense in either camp all right let me explain right um if this was like literally a force essence transfer like as in when i say that i mean that the emperor would enter Ray's body, take over her body, and it's literally just the emperor accepting Ray's body. Yeah, like right? That's all, the, all the Sith of all time, essentially mm. creating one consciousness inside Ray. Exactly. Yes. Right? That's 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 Camp A. Right. Camp B is that it's metaphorical, right? As in, mm-hmm. because Ray's Palpatine, she strikes down the Master. She then becomes the Master. She essentially turns to the dark side. That's the other side, right? And yeah. That's the other camp, right? So the two camps. So let's talk about this. If Ray was in the metaphorical camp, which is what we're all kind of arguing, like we're saying it's it was maybe a bad line to say it was an essence transfer. Maybe it's metaphorical, right? Why would Ray have been motivated to follow through with it at all? Okay, like I, I get that she was just stalling. You know, remember because the emperor mm-hmm. was trying to get her to do it, and then like she yeah. like nodded her head, yeah, okay, I'll do it. I, I understand that she was just stalling until Ben could get there, but like. Why would the emperor ever assume that Ray would want to be the empress? Right? I, so in hold on, so I'm almost done. You go in, for it, go. So it's implied that Ray would then have the power to save her friends. Yeah. Okay. It's like in Return of the Jedi. In Return of the Jedi, like 
the emperor is saying, join me and I will spare them. I'll spare your friends by calling off this attack. I'll like mm-hmm. turn off the Star Destroyer, which was a trap. Like they didn't realize yep. that it was actually fire at the fleet and could totally wipe them out. Like he's saying that like, if you turn to the dark side, like I'm wanting you to do, like I'll spare you and I'll spare all your friends. Like he's sort of blackmailing him, right? Like that's simple. It makes sense. Okay. But in this film, it's not like that. Like if... Ray had struck down the Emperor, metaphorically ascending to the rise of Empress, she could just be like, just kidding, Emperor's dead, call off the fleet, I'm in charge now, bitches, right? Okay, that's that's the that's the metaphorical camp. The literal camp, like if if the Emperor had entered Ray's body, that doesn't spare any of her friends, because then Ray is evil, right? Like, why would she call off the fleet? Because that's what the emperor wants. You see what I'm saying? Like it's well, it doesn't really make it, sense on either side. Sorry, Eric, you were actually speaking first. You want to talk to us? Yeah, oh, first? yeah, mine's, mine's real quick. I think that I am weirdly in the more literal camp in that point because I think I agree. If the if it's only metaphorical, I think I am too. Ray says, "Yup," and then says, "All right, everyone, stop attacking my friends and blow yourselves up." Like, so I don't think that works. I do think that there was literal dark side energy that would transfer into Ray if this happened, and I think she knows that. But I do think that she would still then have the power to stop the fleet from attacking her friends. But but it lives in that mystery. Like you're saying, Corey, I think mm-hmm. it's like, who is she with all these dark side essences in her? Because she has already tapped into the dark side in this film when she does the force lightning, which is, we'll get to this later, is maybe the greatest moment in the film for me. I think that's an incredible moment. Sick. Freaking loved it. It's a great beat. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she is so scared with that and her force vision of seeing herself with the red lightsaber. I think that she, she knows... She has that dark side power within her, and that is terrifying. So I think that well, ultimately she doesn't know what's going to happen. However, and then I'll, Charles I'll let you go here in a second. Option A, she does nothing. Her friends definitely die. Option B, she strikes down the emperor and she becomes the empress. Maybe her friends don't die. So I think in that moment, before she knows Ben is there, because I do believe we see the revelation of Ben yeah. being there in her eyes, which is a great I mean, acting moment by Daisy. It's Ritchie. right before she agrees to, to do it. Yes. Like she nods. Yeah. Like she nods at the Emperor. Yep. And that was right after that she was found ben. out that Ben was coming. Yes. Great, great moment by Driver and uh, Ridley, who kill this film. They're incredible. Um, but I think that she is at, up until that point saying, this is the only one that has maybe a chance to work. And I think that's what she's going for. You know what I mean? Um, so I think it, in terms of that, it's not necessarily a metaphor. It's not necessarily literal. I'm unfortunately going to play the middle ground where Ray is just kind of banking on what's most possible. Right. Right. Charles? I think we lost Charles here for a second. Oh, we did lose. Oh, well, he's back. Nah, he's a frozen baby. Oh, he's a frozen baby? Okay. Well, unfortunately, Charles doesn't get the chance to defend himself. <laughs> Well, well, he wanted to say, but I think ultimately that's it ends on an okay note of the emperor's the emperor definitely. I think you're right, Corey wants ultimate power no matter what. He's looking for a vessel, and I think that's his problem is that if he did have a more specific plan, maybe he succeeds. Yeah. So people are already talking about like we're going to say this later. I'm probably going to say it multiple times in this. People are already saying the novelization is probably going to clear this up. Right? Oh, like, I can't wait for this novelization. I can't, I can't wait for it either. All right, so let's let's talk about that for a second. This is how I'm going to make sense of this. Remember I said that I wanted to leave all of these unforgivable sins with like a, this is how we move forward and make sense of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is how I'm going to make sense of it. The emperor, uh, like he just wanted the body of a force user. 
right? Yeah. Like we get that. Like he didn't care who it was. He didn't care if it was Ray. He didn't care if it was Kylo Ren. He just wanted the body of a force user. And like you said, Eric, he wanted the Jedi dead. All right. Yeah. Like he only wanted Ray dead because at that time in his plan, like she's a Jedi, like she was a threat. Right. Um, so he, like he intended at that time to take Kylo Ren's body and let that take this, yeah. take his place. Right. What just would have made sense. Like he is going to give Kylo Ren everything that he wants. Right. He's going to yep. give him everything. What can I, what can you give me? Everything. That was great so moment. I love that line. Um, right. So it was all just, it was all originally going to be a giant Sith ritual. He was going to take over the body of whoever he wanted, whether it was Ray or whether that was Kylo Ren. He didn't care. Um, I think that works. I think that works. But hold on. Just because my internet cut out doesn't mean I'm not putting my piece in there. <laughs> All right. Calm down, Senate. Um, I think it still works as a metaphor. I think it still works as a metaphor, and here's why. Because if Ray struck down the Emperor, which is what he said to come do, remember, the Emperor's only goal here is not to have the Sith rule the galaxy. It is also to extinguish the Jedi. And if she was to do that act, even to save her friends... That, I think, in a pretty strong way, would have meant that she was not a Jedi. A Jedi would never do that, ever. Like strike down somebody? I mean, we see it all the time, yeah. though. We Jedi always strike down people like that. No, 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 no. But to strike down a defenseless person who basically is not attacking them at all. In that moment, Palpatine was not attacking <laughs> Oh, no! There he goes! I understand where he's coming from, definitely. Yeah. Like, to strike down a defenseless person. And he wanted, he wanted her to do it out of hate. Like, yeah. that was the thing. It's, it's Luke and it Return of, of the Jedi. It's how, like... I saw this cool theory the other day that said, what if Vader stopped Luke from killing the Emperor because he knew that if he did that, he'd become a Sith? I don't think that's true, but it's definitely the idea of if Luke had done it, blah. Yeah. Know? So, Corey, yeah. finish I up this that, point because we're going to lose Charles again. I hope the novelization clears this up. I hope it makes it makes it work metaphorically or literally. Like, but that's my point about this film is that it feels like it feels like the writers were very unclear of what they wanted the direction to be with Palpatine. All they knew is that they wanted him back, and it seems like they changed his mind a lot. And I've seen some stuff online about like like some scenes looking like they've been reversed based on how people's clothing falls and things like that, that make it seem like a lot of editing happened surrounding all this emperor's plan stuff. And that's my theory is that they were sort of dissatisfied with kind of whatever plan they were trying to portray. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately we got the corporate effect, right? Unfortunately to me, it felt like Palpatine's plan in this movie was not clear, regardless if you liked it or not. Like I like that Palpatine is back. I'm fine <clears> with that. I just, I'm still, even now for three viewings, very confused about, the motivations, the order of operations, Palpatine's overall plan, and how it was depicted on screen. I think it's very easy for us to make sense of this in our head canon, right, mm -hmm. going forward, and to do some cool stuff involving Palpatine in the books and comics going forward. Um, I'm just very confused, and that frustrates me. It shouldn't, have, it didn't need to be confusing, and it shouldn't have been confusing. But unfortunately, that's where we're at. Yeah. So that's but going why I call forward. It. I'm definitely going to use what Charles was saying in my head for my future viewings. And I think if I have that in my head, again, if you do a little work, I think I will be okay. I just would have preferred not to have to do that. So I agree with you, Corey and Charles. Yes. All right. On that note, before we dive into the last two points, we're going to take another quick little, probably maybe 30 second break and see if we can diagnose some of Charles's tech problems. We'll be right back. 
What if everything came with a free Star Wars audiobook from Audible? Like at the cantina. I'll take a half calf spotchka, light whip. Here's your free audiobook download for Master and Apprentice from Audible. Or getting your pod racer serviced. My pod racer needs upgrades to the coupling and stabilizer. And here's your free audiobook download for Resistance Reborn from Audible. Life in the galaxy doesn't work that way, but there is one place you can go where you can get a free Star Wars audiobook from Audible. And that's utini.com slash audible. Click the Audible logo and start your 30-day free trial, which includes a free audiobook download. So visit utini.com slash audible and get your free Star Wars audiobook download today. All right, guys, we're back. Um, Charles is going to hopefully be back permanently. We'll see. Oh, <laughs> Hashtag me. save Charles by Meg. Yes, Here we go. Me. Save Charles. All right, let's dive into the unforgivable sin number two. Which might be forgivable. Which might be forgivable. Might be forgivable. Apparently, the Palpatine one is very forgivable. You guys have all but convinced me. Like, I'm just going to delete this whole part of the document now because, like, you know, <laughs> I believe it. I think it can be fixed really easily. We'll see about this one. Sin number two. Rays of Palpatine. Mm-hmm. Guys, this makes me want to throw up. Like, what the hell? I hate this so much. Pick anyone. Literally anyone in Star Wars. Make it Admiral Akbar's daughter. Okay? <laughs> but I could maybe believe it. But Palpatine. Oh, my God. Palpatine, I hate it so much. All right, this is why I hate it so much. Exhibit A. Sith Lords don't fuck. All right? <laughs> <laughs> mark the timestamp on that one. for a The timestamp is 119. <laughs> 119. I just don't think they do. It doesn't make any sense, all right? Sith are not at all interested in the pleasures of the flesh, all right? This is not because it's funny and gross. Like, it's legitimately canon, right? Like, Sith don't care about the pleasures of the flesh. They care about, like, ultimate power. That's it. And Palpatine is the most ultimate manifestation of that. Yeah. Right? And I think that there's a... There's a point where the dark side is passion, and there isn't. There are some people that are that, but all of Palpatine's character, you're right, Corey, is all based on me and my power, and it is right. not like. But you know, this kind of feels good. He doesn't right, like he doesn't <laughs> have flaws. That's why he won, right? Because right. his plan is so flawless. Palpatine does not have oversight, like, mm-hmm. like screwing around and then actually making a baby. Like, come on, is this pull game not strong enough? Like, come on, like, yeah. oh, God, also one I that was it. never. Never mentioned at any point. Ever. Never, ever, ever mentioned. Like, we've, we were 30 years in canon ahead of the films, and, like, this is it? Like, For his kid? Ever? For a kid? Like, come on. Or a right. lover? Or of anything? Yes. Exhibit B. It's gross. <laughs> the sheer concept of Palpatine having sex, implanting <laughs> yep. someone with his DNA, or even some Star Wars level in utero insemination shit, it doesn't make no, any no, sense. No. It's disgusting. Yeah. She, she, Palpatine was never in love. He only loved power. Was he a rapist? Like, well, it, it also, it also oh, fights whoa. canon because if if our entire thing on the first point is that he is all about himself and his immortality, he wouldn't care about his bloodline going forward. He would never want to have a kid because that kid would be a threat to his power. Right, right. So like, maybe it was like, maybe it was some kind of, maybe it was some kind of like he wanted to produce. Like, the next line, maybe it was on purpose. Like, he intentionally had a kid. But, like, even then, like, it's gross. I think it's so I, gross. Okay, point B, no one can take away from that. <laughs> because for a guy whose face already looks like a scrotum, I don't even... Imagine what the I, scrotum looks like. No one looks needs like. to know what the <laughs> actual <laughs> scrotum is like. 
<laughs> probably looks like face, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but for <laughs> how do we how do we recover from this? I'm not even sure. Well, but you, for you point said a... Palpatine scrotum looks like a face. I think that's the end of the episode. <laughs> In all seriousness, though, for point A, I have zero problem. I have zero problem with that. In Legends, what? Palpatine Sith, had Sith lovers. Sex? I mean, so we've never had like that scene in a book or a comic, but like plenty of time. <laughs> like we know that <laughs> the really erotic Sith no, sex scene. That's probably actually out there on the dark parts of the internet, but. <laughs> But no, picks. I mean, really, we've we've known we've known that Palpatine supposedly had lovers in Legends. Like that idea in and of itself is not actually new. That Did is he? a Legends idea, yeah, what? which has been recycled. Yeah, absolutely. Isan Isard from the X Wing series was was Palpatine's lover oh, yeah. before he was killed, oh, yeah, and then she takes what? over this the Empire. Familiar. This is this is not new, and I have no problem with that because look at all a Sith cares about is me, 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 like. Okay, we're talking about, you know, sex. Like, okay, so he's probably fine with that. Like why why would he be like, No, I can't today? Like I'm I that's my best Palpatine impression, by the Pretty way. Good. Um like I'm too busy taking over the galaxy for this. Like why why can't he? I guess. It doesn't make any sense to me. There's no there's no rule of no sex, like there's a rule of two. Like for the there's, Jedi. why can't a Sith do that? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense to me. What's the issue with that? I think for for me, I think it was just it's it's more the his legacy. He he doesn't any anyone you have any child you have is a distraction from your own dark side power. Right. That, but that but I hear what you're saying. I but I hear make. what you're saying, Charles. That's a good point. And it's literally why Anakin fell. Yep. It's literally it's why true. he good fell. Point. That's good true. point. The point I'll make there though is Anakin wasn't a Sith Lord at the time with some gigantic scheme to completely destroy everything and become and the most powerful. Also, ever. most importantly, we guys, know of, we're I'm missing sure. the most important part. <laughs> Anakin was hot. <laughs> so he can do whatever he wants. Oh my god, Jesus Christ. All right. His let's, scrotum let's, looked like a scrotum, that's all I'm saying. We can we can maybe disagree that the sheer concept of a Sith Lord having sex is 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 wrong. All right. I think it's wrong. Charles, yeah. you make some really good points. I can buy a lot of that. Uh, no one's ever gonna convince me that it's not just gross. Like the the yeah. concept like, Oh, it's disgusting. It's awful. The sheer the sheer thing of the sheave. Uh, yeah, the sheave Unlimited <laughs> like Duh. no oh my god I just, that but also not, that, the next point picture in my brain All yeah, right. yeah however next point is a big one though however the really most important part about why yeah. it doesn't work that ray's a palpatine is that ray is a nobody it's been very established at this point that ray is a nobody could could kylo ren have been lying sure at the end of the yeah. last jedi right? yeah sure people people said that about empire that yep. darth vader was lying to luke like no it can't be sure. true like right they say it could be lying like he would in fact actually you know what if the canon that we have now is true like what is canon is that he didn't know that she was a palpatine at the time so it makes sense that he said like they sold you off for drinking money you're a nobody like like right like yeah because he, he, he saw ray's memories and that's what her memories had of right. as like of seeing them right. through her eyes sure but that, sure. that's not that's not the reason that it's bad that kylo ren was lying to her the reason is bad is because we've spent a ton of precious screen time on ray chasing her parents and they totally retconned it all right let's think about it like this is all i, I like went through and thought about like all the places that we talked about ray's parents so far in in, in this trilogy all right we have the flashbacks of ray as a little girl in the force awakens right we have Ray's conversations with Maz on Takodana. We have Luke asking in the Last Jedi, "Who are you?" Right? Repeatedly. Like, repeatedly. All right. We have the 
the mirror cave scene where she goes to see her parents and she touches them. It's not there, but she wants it to be there. Like then we have like the, uh, her explaining that force vision kind of thing that happened in the mirror, in the mirror cave. Like she's explaining it to Kylo Ren. They're talking about her parents. Mm-hmm. Um, Kylo Ren tells Ray that her parents are her biggest weakness. It's what holds her back. Like it drives her to do everything. Um, Kylo Ren tells Ray in the elevator that he says, I had a vision too. I know who your parents are. Like, we're talking about it then. And then finally, in the climax of The Last Jedi, like Kylo Ren tells Rey that her parents are nobody, but not to him. It's important for their relationship, not just mm-hmm. like Rey's parents. We've spent like a ton of time on this. A ton of time. The big reveal in The Last Jedi is akin to I am your father in Empire, right? Mm-hmm. Like in this movie completely backpedals on that. Can you imagine mm-hmm. if Return of the Jedi had retconned Vader saying that at the end of Empire? Like it would have completely invalidated Luke's struggle with trying to defeat his own father. Like, that's the point I'm making. Ray not having parents isn't part of, isn't just part of Ray's character arc. Like, that is her character arc up to this point. It has been her entire character arc. She had to learn that her value isn't defined by her blood, mm-hmm. that, like, that she was abandoned and she has to deal with that. Like, it's a classic story of empowerment. When The Force Awakens came out, like, nobody wanted her to be a nobody. Nobody did. We all talked about it endlessly. They wanted her to be a Kenobi. We <laughs> yeah. wanted her to be a Skywalker. Like, nobody wanted her to be a nobody. Like, but it's because that everybody wanted her to be someone that it is such a good plot point. That's mm-hmm. why. Everybody wanted her to be somebody, and she wasn't somebody. Like, that's why it was such a good plot point. It's original. It looks back on Ray's growth, knowing everybody wanted her to be somebody and then learning that she is, but only because she chose to. It's a classic coming-of-age story. Like, that is all totally invalidated by Ray Palpatine. And I just want to briefly mention this. I, I don't like talking about this kind of stuff on our show, but they gave Ray's power, the reason she's important, to a dude, right? Like, she only matters because of who her old man is. And I hate that. Like... Like, they could have at least made it her mother, I, I guess. Like, like, why do they do that? Disney is a pretty progressive company. Like, like, think about all the little girls that are dressed up as Rey at, at Galaxy's Edge. They're looking at Rey as, like, their hero, and now she's only powerful because of her dad? Like, that makes me kind of sick. Like, what the hell? Like, I get that she chose to be a Skywalker. I really do get that. But it doesn't change the fact that the line, you're Palpatine, is uttered multiple times in this film. It makes me feel gross. I don't know if I'm ever going to get over this, like that Ray is a Palpatine. Where do you guys stand? Are you as grossed right. out by this principle as I am? Yeah, like, I want to take it real quick because Charles, Charles is, I'm with you a lot, Corey, so I'm just going to add a couple things and I want to hear Charles because I know you're way more okay with it than we are. I'm itching. Yes, I'm itching. yeah, so my biggest point is, I'm going to go to that last one with you, Corey. I think all lore stuff aside, it makes Force Awakens and Last Jedi incongruent, but... Most of all, it really does take away the beautiful message of Last Jedi for me. And I think that's, like I was saying earlier, I can have fun with this movie a lot and be okay with canon because canon is what canon is. But theoretically and fundamentally, I don't agree with it because I think that the idea that you can, doesn't matter where you come from, you can be powerful and you can be beautiful and strong is now negated because no matter what we say, everything that Rey did is still... You know, you, the fact that she's a Palpatine has to be added onto it. Like, right. oh, she could do that because she's a Palpatine. Oh, she we, could do we, that because she's a Palpatine. We've changed the message that that you can be somebody even if you're no one. We've changed it from that message to you can be somebody regardless of your parents. Which is a great message, but it's it so is. different. It's that is so different. different. It's and very, th- very different. And that's the problem. It's not because it's 
it's like, bad. It's bad is because it's different than what two films, like roughly five hours of content, mm-hmm. has already established, and it's different from that. And that hurts. And, yeah. Project. And the last thing I want to say, and then I, I do want to throw it over to Charles, is that speaking to a lot of friends who I have that are women um, that love Ray, especially the sequel trilogy, that have put up with a lot. The the big hurt that they're feeling is that last moment of Kylo literally saying, "You don't just have power; you have his power." Oh my god! I so Ray doesn't so have much. her own power anymore. Ray, like, and and the idea at the end of the movie to say, "I'm Ray Skywalker. I am. I'm declining." That is a great moment. Don't get me wrong. That is like a hell yes, you go. However, nonetheless. Her power in her literal bl- – it's like a midichlorians thing. It's like you're only this powerful because of the guy that spawned you. And that is very unfortunate because the idea that the Force chose her because of who she was is a beautiful message for a lot of young people and a lot of young girls. And I feel like that got twisted around. Charles, I'm not trying to set you up for failure because of all that. But but what do you – your thoughts. Sure. Your thoughts. So you're not let a sexist of whatever you're going to say. Like, let's, Let let's me make a couple thing. of points. I think it. I and I want to speak towards that last bit you said first, Eric, because I want. I do want to preface this with: if that's how you feel, you are not wrong for feeling that sure. way. I just want to make sure that's apparent. Like, if that decision hurt you and it made you feel like it took agency away from a female character who you looked up to, you're not wrong for that. I'm going to tell you how I make this decision work for me. Now, first of all, I disagree that five hours of film or whatever, two films were put towards making Rey a nobody. I think only The Last Jedi did that. I don't think that was ever the intent when The Force Awakens came out whatsoever. I mean, those interviews with J.J. Abrams say definitely otherwise. Yeah. I I disagree. Just because he says you don't have to be from a certain lineage, like that that doesn't mean that he did not have plans for whose Ray's parents were. And and I would argue that if he picked up the third film in the series and that was his intent, why in the world would he want eighty from that? So I don't think that that's the case. Second of all, I think that the 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 message in and of itself from the Last Jedi, y'all are spot on. Was she was supposed to be a nobody, and that was supposed to be something that anyone watching this film could look at and be like that could be me that could be anyone you don't have to be from a certain lineage that's a beautiful message but i think when you carry in that expectation and the thought of this has to stay the same this can't be changed when you go in to see the rise of skywalker it's another scenario and i've told you all this privately where i think you bring in an expectation and you set yourself up for failure You bring something in that you're going to be angry about if it's not done or if it's done differently. And I think that's something that we warned against doing. And it felt like it was a sure thing because it was so strongly implied by the last I brought in facts from episode eight. (laughs) It was a a fact from Kylo Ren who was interpreting something he saw in someone else's mind, which was based on a fear of hers. Right. And it was not, it was not a fact. Charles soul said on Twitter this, this week about like one of the comics he made a, he made a a point about, he said the dark side is a poor narrator. True. True. Right. And sometimes we see something in a movie that we love so much and we make it a fact Mm -hmm. in our mind. And ultimately speaking, look at where that fact came from. It came from someone trying to seduce someone else to do their bidding like it's it's the same as something that could have come from Palpatine's mouth and us saying, well, he said it. It's got to be true. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that they, I don't think it's like an quote unquote unforgivable sin. Yeah. The other thing that I want to point out, and Corey, you've actually already alluded to this, is that the way I'm looking at this, and granted, it does take some work to do, but the way I'm choosing to look at this is not that it 180 from the message, 
that the last Jedi gave us, but rather that it it kind of furthered that message. And that sounds ridiculous at face ba- at face value, but let me explain what I yeah, mean. Yeah, yeah. The the Force Awakens, you know, we didn't know who Ray's parents were. We didn't know what was going on. The Last Jedi, it changed to you can do extraordinary things even if you have no lineage, even if you are a nobody. And the way I'm looking at the Rise of Skywalker is you can do whatever you want even if everything about you, even if everything you have come from tells us you should not be able to do this. Mm-hmm. She is a Palpatine. She is cut from the same cloth as the most evil man the ultimate sith in the history of the entire galaxy and she can still push all of that away and she can still ascend and take the mantle of the jedi i think in that respect you can look at it as a furthering of that message not just if you have no ties to any of this you can be successful you can do whatever you want it's even if you have all the things stacked against you, you can still do it. And I think there is some hope in that message. I yeah, agree. Kirk, I totally agree can, with all that. Yeah. I'm going to jump I mean, on that just for a second. Cause I, ahead. and I want to throw it to you. Cause I think that's going to, it's a great way to end this point because I think you're right. I think that to, to clear up and a lot of people in the chat are echoing that Charles, I, I would agree uh, with, with Brent and Juliana and other people that are saying that that's a great point. That is right. a, it's a beautiful message at the end of this movie that we end with. Don't get me wrong. Ray saying, I am, I am the daughter of a Palpatine, but I can still choose the light. That is glorious. That is a beautiful... It's Qui-Gon and Master and Apprentice, right? Oh, totally. Absolutely. It's, that's a great, great, beautiful message. My, I think the issue that I have with it is that there was another beautiful message that had already happened that was cut off. So as far as the storytelling goes, it is incongruous. And I think that I will, I will be fine with this as time goes on. So as opposed to Corey, I don't see this as unforgivable. I think that we can eventually be okay with it. However, I also very much understand the pain that is going on with people that the previous message like affected them so deeply and kind of helped them. Sure. And I mean, it helped, sure. it helped me a lot through a lot of stuff. And I think that now realizing, oh, wait, no, that's not the message. That is a hard shift. And I think speaks to the stuff we talked about right. at the beginning of the episode, which is how the whole trilogy wasn't necessarily planned out. I think if this is the message they wanted to tell from the top of episode seven, that's awesome. That's so dope. That reveal is yeah. t- is amazing, and I wish it had been one one solid thing. But Me I too. agree. At the end of this movie, you can have a lot of hope for Ray, and I think that character is it still is... lovely. And I think that character is still great. Yeah, and it, it definitely you know I, I'm not gonna say that it doesn't kind of I, I'm not gonna say that it perfectly matches with the Last Jedi. It doesn't, and there are real world reasons why it doesn't, but. You know, I I think that it still kind of works for for the reasons that I was saying. And I don't actually think that it entirely negates the idea. And I mentioned this to you guys privately behind the scenes as well. I don't think it I don't think it necessarily negates the idea that even if you're a nobody, you can have this power, you can go on to do great things, etc. That was not Ray's story. But that idea was still given to us in The Last Jedi and was manifested in Broom Boy as well. Who the heck was Broom Boy? Yeah. Is he Palpat- Is he Sheev's other God, kid? I, like, let him I don't be nothing. Think so. Let him be nothing. <laughs> you he, know? May, he may be nothing, but you know <laughs> what I mean? I think the, the idea, that idea is a beautiful idea and it can persevere despite the fact that it doesn't apply to Ray. Yeah. I, think that that. I think this is all really, really good points. I think it's the only way that we can make sense of it is to instead shift our view from Ray being a nobody is the most important aspect of this and instead shift it to Ray choosing who her parentage is, is a beautiful story. And I agree. I mean, that is a beautiful story. It just, it felt sudden and kind of, 
like a cliff for me, right? I mean, we have two films that are kind yeah. of taking us down this path, and suddenly we made a really hard right, and we have this other beautiful message, but almost like yeah. we didn't have to do that, though. It and didn't feel la- like it was necessary. Yeah, last thing I want to give to that, because I, I want to get down to the next one, because this is my most unforgivable thing in the entire film. Uh, the, the last part about that is that, unfortunately, we in the Star Wars community know that a lot of the trolls and angry people were screaming how Rey is useless unless she's a legacy, and yep. this That's gives the idea about. that Disney gave those people power. And I, we, and again, right. we cannot say whether they intentionally did or not. All I know is that, based on the online discourse, which again is, walk away from it for a bit if you're in there. It's it's a hor- it's a hard place. A lot of those people are taking this as a as a win and a validation, and I hate that. And I wish yeah. that that didn't have to happen in order for this beautiful message, like like we're saying, to get conveyed. I do too. All right, guys, we're going to take one more really quick break um, to address one other little audio issue that I'm having on my end, and we'll be right back in about uh, one minute. Hi, Utini listeners. My name is Franco Stubman from the database scene, and I have a fun Star Wars story which involves lightsabers, friends, and alcohol. So six years ago, I would have been 41 at the time, and for my oldest son, 1830, I got him a double-bladed lightsaber from ultrasabers.com. Now this lightsaber was pretty cool, but the really cool thing about it was that the hilt could be separated into two to form two single lightsabers. Now my son loved it. He was a pride and joy and even got me to mount it on his bedroom wall. Now one night, um, not too long after my son's birthday, he was out with his, with his pals. I invited some of my friends around for, for drinks in the house. So as the night wore on and as the alcohol was flowing, I thought it would be a really, really cool idea if I brought the... Um, lightsaber down to show my friends because one of my friends he was a big geek like myself um so as you can imagine things kind of escalated very quickly and we started having this epic lightsaber duel in the middle of the kitchen now um this eventually then led its way uh, out the back and we were smashing the blades off each other and the lightsabers making the cool noises um like you hear from the films and we were taught we were having a, a, an epic lightsaber battle that would match anything you see in the films so during, during the duel, the blade from my hilt flew off and landed on the roof of the kitchen, my kitchen. Now it wasn't too bad because it was a one-story uh, one building, so I was able to retrieve the blade down from the, from the roof and was able to reattach it to, um, to the hilt. So everything was okay, but we thought this was um, really, really funny. And um, so when my son came home, we decided to share the story with him. And as you can imagine, now you have to understand, this, he really loved this uh, blade. This was his pride and joy. Didn't quite see the funny side of it and wasn't really that amused. So he gave me that disappointed look, um, a look that, uh, that a father would, would, would give his son if he'd done something uh, wrong. But this time the, the roles were, 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 were reversed. Uh, took the blade off me and brought it up to his room. He hasn't let me play with it since. So that's my fun Star Wars story involving alcohol friends and lightsabers. If you hear this, uh, if you hear the story before the holidays, happy holidays. Um, if it's after that, if it's the new year, happy new year, happy 2020, and may the force be with you. All right, we're back live now, guys. Hey um, everyone, lots of quick breaks, man. This episode has turned out to be extra long, and I freaking love it. This is fun. <laughs> this is I, I will say this, guys. Uh, when we originally set out to launch this podcast, I, for some reason, never imagined that we would be doing this about a film like. Nope. Going going through it's a hardcore analysis. It's not our thing. We're into the expanded universe, and man, this is fun. I like it a lot. <clears throat> Let's do it. All right, what, one more one more hard point before we get to a couple confusing things, and then we are rocketing into some greatness to end out. But this is yes. a tough one. 
All right. Um, now, you guys have made a lot of really, really great points about these first two. Like, and in fact, I think I can come to terms with these as story decisions as we go forward. Like, Palpatine being back, like, I've already, I was already kind of okay with it coming into it. I was really more concerned about his plan. And then Ray mm-hmm. being a Palpatine, I still feel a little icky about. Um, but I think I can come to terms with this eventually. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, I think I will eventually get there. Um, this third point, <clears throat> I don't even know if we're all on the same page about this, but even if we're not, there is no chance you're going to convince me to change my mind on this. Not even at all. The third unforgivable sin is that Rose Tico was benched. All right. <clears throat> Let me go into this. This is not a plot hole. All right. This is, it is certainly plausible that Rose could be off doing other stuff. I'm not even going to argue that. It's totally believable in canon. In fact, out of these three points that I've made, this is the one that makes the most sense just in canon, all right? She's the tech person. She can help Leia figure out the Star Destroyers. I get it. Um, it's also fine to introduce characters in films and then have, have them play less important roles in sequential films. That's totally okay. Um, I really hate Rose being benched for kind of political reasons. Let's, let's talk about that. So let me, let me start this by saying, let me let you guys on a little secret. Um, I don't actually even like Rose that much. Like mm-hmm. everybody flipping hero worshipped her after the last Jedi, or they hated her and bullied off of social media. I was not in either one of those camps at all. Like when I first saw the last Jedi, I thought her lines were a little cringy. Um, I felt like she kind of came across as kind of like the Disney princess of Star Wars a little bit. Like it was just so so superficial joy over the top a little bit like her line i have looked this up in the last shit i actually put this in my my doc yesterday she goes when we heard about it my sister rose she said rose that's a real hero no right from wrong and don't run away when it gets hard she said oh my god i hate that line so much it just sounds seems... like samwise gamgee it i does. love it go on i hated it i hated it so much i really disliked it so all that's to say is that like when when she first came out I didn't love her. I did. I, I didn't hate her, but I didn't love her either. I thought it was a little far fetched. You know, you have to accept cringy dialogue in Star Wars. It's part of the, you know, part of being a Star Wars fan. Yep. Is we have Attack of the Clones, so we have to acknowledge it. <laughs> um, so all that being said, listen, I've really grown to like Rose over time. Um, I like Rose a lot now because of what she stands for. She looks at hope like a child, and that's kind of a breath of a, a breath of fresh air, right? And for all those people that hated her, a ton of people really loved her. Like, when all these assholes bullied Kelly and Marie Tran off of social media, people totally rallied behind Kelly. That was awesome. Yeah. Like at, at Celebration Chicago last year, they gave her, like, a standing ovation for, like, two minutes to the point that they couldn't even continue the panel to talk about the Rise of Skywalker because people wouldn't shut up because they were standing and cheering so much for, like, two solid minutes. Go back and watch the videos. So... Rose, in a lot of ways, kind of became a symbol of not just for, like, the childlike faith of resistance, like in The Last Jedi, but also for the best, most positive part of our community. People rallying behind Rose showed that not all fans of Star Wars are toxic assholes. Like, that's why I love her, because she represents the justice of our community. So I think that Rose being cut from this film represents completely letting the bullies win 
You cannot tell me that they did not do this because people so very loudly proclaimed how much they despised her character in The Last Jedi. I will never, ever believe you if you try to tell me that. Like, this was a gift with a beautiful little bow on top to the absolute worst, most toxic part of our community. It's like the police not believing a victim of domestic violence and then sending her back to her abusive husband is going to beat the shit out of her as soon as they get home. Like, Mm -hmm. it makes me sick inside to think about, like letting them win like this. It's like the only thing in this movie I'm legitimately angry about. Um, I feel like we lost. I feel like Disney is saying to us that, uh, that they care more about like appealing to this, this group of the community because they want those people to buy tickets and less about us who are willing to stand up for like what's right. But here's the thing, Disney talking directly to you. These people don't care about you at all. They have no loyalty to Disney. They actually hate you, okay? They've been complaining about Disney for the last five years. They hate you. You have no loyalty from these people. Have you, like, forgotten what they said about you on the internet and in public and in interviews? Because they despise you, Disney. They despise Rose, and you gave a gift to these people that hate you so much after the way that they reacted like, I'm so livid about it. I'm getting pissed off just, like, talking about it right now. Like, tell me there's a canonical reason, some kind of justified reason that they did this. Is that even possible? My, my thing is, even if there is, it doesn't matter. I think, I, and, I'm, and I'm sorry, this is going to be a very hard line. I, I agree. I don't like making hard lines. Star Wars isn't black and white and things. This is for me. I think that in this film, they introduced Dominic Monaghan <laughs> as Beaumont, right? I love Dominic Monaghan. We have new resistance people all the time. However... Every single line he says, which is more lines than Rose has, and he's not even named in the film. He has more lines than Rose, could have been said by Rose, but the, but it is clear, it, it just makes sense that they said, hey, you know what those guys love? Lord of the Rings or Lost. We're going to get an actor they like, he's a dude, he's kind of fun, he'll say the lines so they won't get angry and Rose will be in the background. Kellen Marie Tran has even said in interviews leading up to The Rise of Skywalker, they shot scenes with her and Ray. One of the promotional images we got at Celebration was her and Ray. And they had these women talking to each other and all these amazing things. And I think this this is a really important point I want to get to. Because I agree we cannot know what happened in those meetings. We cannot know why decisions were made. But this is a point where your intention, even if it wasn't to do this, doesn't matter. Because the effect that it's having is every guy, every dude bro that hated Rose is on Twitter yelling about their victory. Every single person that hated her feels great, and every single person that fought for her feels betrayed. That That is what happened. That is the effect of this decision. And I think that at the end of the day, you can't take that back. You can't walk that back. Like, Kellen Marie Tran flipped through the script and saw how little Rose was in, and guess what? If she's at a celebration in the future, I will be astounded because the company didn't have her back. J.J. Abrams said at Celebration the best thing Ryan Johnson did was cast Kelly Marie Tran. I don't know where that went, so I don't blame J.J. I honestly don't because I think that he wanted to have her in. But feels there like was a so much decision. cut. <clears throat> feels like a corporate decision to me, another one of yeah. those. But Charles, so, I want to hear I want to hear your thoughts a little yeah. bit. Yeah. All right. So we've had this conversation privately as well. And and so I know you guys kind of know where I'm coming at this from. And again, I want to I want to preface what I'm about to say with I totally understand why people were hurt with Kelly Marie Tran and Rose Tico having less of a role in this film. I think it makes sense that again this is a character they felt represented by who was more or less benched in this film. That makes a ton of sense. 
you're entirely right to feel the way you do. Where I came at this from personally was it made sense to me in a story from a storytelling perspective for her to have little to honestly nothing to do with this film. When you look at the fact that it's only two and a half hours long and we're treating this like we've said as the end of a trilogy and the end of a nine series arc and she's only been in one film before this look at there was barely enough time for Ray's story Finn's story etc to be happening side by side let alone if you want to put in an extra like little mission for Rose and these kind of a thing or, or that kind of a thing so it makes sense to me from a story side of things why she didn't have a ton to do in this well, film. It does, now, it does I to think me it, too, and I haven't I, argued that at yeah. all. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and I'm not saying y'all have. I just want to make that point clear that I I personally have not seen evidence that this was maliciously done. It may have been ignorantly done. It may have been that Disney was like, yeah, she really doesn't have a place here and did not think about the ramifications for the fact that it would kind of no light way. the fire underneath this terrible toxic part it was so loud it was but the but the other point i want to bring up is what you is what you said you saw at celebration i wish i had been there to see that with the standing ovation i mean the the creators are there too they're on stage right next to kelly marie tran and these other characters they see this huge vocal positive part of fandom as well who's shouting about how much they love kelly marie tran so do we think they just entirely disregard that but they hop on twitter and see the people who create accounts yes. just to crap on a character and they're like we should listen to yeah. these people not yeah. not the people who are paying us thousands of dollars to come to celebration every year like i just i don't see how that part makes <clears throat> sense even from I, a business perspective see i think it is because that's two thousand people in a room versus a 43 percent on rotten tomatoes right like rotten tomatoes 100%. is hundreds of thousands of people and celebration is two thousand but those rotten tomato scores game. aren't because of rose uh, I disagree. I don't you think two hundred thousand people gave it no, no, a fifty percent no. because Rose Tico was in the. There film? were campaigns, no. man. There were online campaigns that said it. That's fine yeah. if there were online campaigns. But I'm talking about like Rotten Tomatoes. What are we talking about? <clears throat> the, so let's, the users, let's, not the, not let's, the critics, the users. Let's back up for a second because I want to. I want to talk about a key point you're making here. Is is the canonical reason that she's not with the group? Right? Is because it is just a done up screen time, and I understand all those types of things. But a point I want to make <clears throat> here is that C-3PO took Rose's place in this film. Yes. Okay. Now, yeah. <clears throat> C-3PO is an incredible character. Um, the fact that yep. it's taken us nine movies to get a real <laughs> C-3PO character arc is a tragedy. It really is. Like, yeah. He I, was I, great. He was I loved so him. good. He was one of my favorite parts of this movie. His humor was, was really funny. Um, I loved him as a character. But C-3PO, <clears throat> it's kind of odd that he ended up on that mission in the first place. And they deliberately chose to leave rose off of it for some reason mm -hmm. like they made this huge point about how ray needs friends with her to be on this mission and is rose not one of her friends i mean i i, I get it that leia asked me to look at the starter stories but that's so weak and i, I honestly i'll give the I'll, i i need even less i think even if rose is on that mission i would love it i mean they needed c3po to decode the MacGuffin. like i i fine but the easiest solution for me, Beaumont is not a character. Do not put Dominic Monaghan in this movie. Give his screen time to Rose. Yeah, I think that's, even, a, that's a very good point. I think all you fair. need, you did not need to add a second character who is another. Again, this is not the way I usually like to do things, but I can't escape it. It's just another white dude talking about stuff. Like we don't <clears> need that. 
We needed yeah. one character who was the go-between between Ray's team and Leia, and yeah. that was Rose. I'm and not, I think and, that the I'm addition not, not, of Dominic Monaghan does it. I agree with that, and I'm not I'm not quite as hardcore in your camp, Eric, that it was like a kind of a racist or sexist decision. I just feel like they made the decision because of a lot of people who expressed a lot of really racist yeah. and sexist kind of yes, yeah, rhetoric no, they cowered after, after that. And yeah. I'm never going to be able to forgive this. It feels like, and and I. Like I, Charles, I definitely see where you're coming from. Like you, you yeah, said, there's no, you said totally. there's no, you said there's no evidence that it was intentionally malicious. I 100% agree with you, and there never yeah. will be. We will never find no. the evidence no, of there that. Won't be. But like those, Eric those said, those interns have been killed. Those documents <laughs> have been burned. Like Disney knows yes, how to cover their tracks. Exactly. But <laughs> like Eric said, this is one of those instances where the intention is less important. But rather, the results of that is what's yeah. important. Yeah. The road and to Mustafar is paved with good intentions. Yes, that there it is, is. That is right. That's right. I'm just. I, I'm very upset by this. I'm very hurt by it. Like this is the only thing I feel. I never. I never thought I would look at a Star Wars film and say I feel personally attacked by something. That feels dumb no. and it feels selfish and it doesn't feel it. like something I should say. But I get it. I get it. I'm not mad because my hero is not who they thought they are. That's not why I'm mad. I'm mad yeah. because. I feel like we as a community really lost. Like I yeah. feel like Utini has real life person got hurt. Kelly yes. Marie Tran is a real person. Right. Yeah, I know, this is I know a character. They, they did it to Jar Jar. I get it, but this is different than Jar Jar. Well, and he almost killed himself. I know. And he almost <laughs> killed himself. Like we've been here before, guys. Like uh, it's just anyway, it hurts me. It hurts me for real life reasons. Yeah. It's what it is what it is. I'm never going to forgive this. The first two things you guys have convinced me more or less, but I'm yep. not going to forgive this yeah. ever. But now now we're going into an upswing. Now l- let's go out of bad to like confusing. We can wake our way and then we'll go into looking <laughs> awesome. Yes. 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 So let's take a breath. <sighs> Hi guys. We still love you. We still love Star Wars. Come on. Can, can we talk about like how cool it was that Ray was doing that breathing thing, and you could hear like the echo when she was doing the force healing? Yeah. Did you guys notice that in the theater? Oh, it was like I'm using that in my real life. Come on! Oh my god, it was amazing. I loved that. But all right, take a breath. This, these are some very negative points. We're not just going to harp on all the really dumb stuff, no. right? There's plenty of plot holes. It's fine. But I think it was needed to discuss this thing. I yeah. really need to get that stuff off my chest. I've been like eating myself alive with this for like five yeah. days. I'm so glad we can finally talk about it because we've Agreed. not gotten a call, guys. This is the first time the three of us have ever <laughs> talked. Yeah. Besides just text and. Anyway, all right. I feel better. I think I can heal now. Let's talk about some of the confusing plot points. Yeah, let's this lightning is, round. Let's, let's bang is, these out. This is less of a this is less of a criticism and more of a I legitimately want you guys to explain to me some of these things. So um, I have some rules going into this. I want you guys to keep it short, keep it sweet. Yeah. Um, I want like just the straight. We can power through this. this is a big list. So Done. Uh, there's a lot of small nitpicks. I don't want to go there. I just want to talk about some of these. Uh, legitimately confusing things that are still a little confusing to me even after three viewings. So mm-hmm. um, on our notes here, guys, I have some uh, I have some things that I have my name on it. If it doesn't have a name on it, why don't you just take it? So Eric, why don't you take the first one? All right, first one, uh, is Finn in love with Ray? What was the thing he didn't tell her before they sank? And is that it is that he's Force-sensitive now? I will answer my own question because John Boyega gave an interview and said, yes, it's because <clears throat> he's Force-sensitive. That's what he was telling her. I will say, cool, this answers it. B, they definitely had to tell us outside of the movie in a press circuit, so the storytelling was confusing. That is a flaw of the film. Yeah. But yes. canon going forward, it is that Finn is Force-sensitive. When I rewatched it, it's there, but it's not Obviously. presented in a very... But it's a flaw in filmmaking. Like, the yeah, fact that they had is. to address it is tough. It is. Next. Yeah, when, and he no, senses... he's not in love with Ray. He is not in love yes. with Ray. No, yeah, no, I, no, no, no. Yeah, so I re- it took me three viewings to notice this, but on the third viewing, I noticed him since Ray's, like, death, death or whatever. Yep. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I was like, oh, shit, he's legitimately Force-sensitive. <laughs> um, yeah, all right, 
Uh, Charles, right. take the second one. Next point. So Poe's backstory, we already have all of it in a whole comic series. Um, what's the what is the question here? Was that an oversight? Not just. I'm sorry, Corey, I don't understand runner. the question. Oh, him being a spice runner is that what this is referring to? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Okay, yeah. all right. So so we've we've gotten Poe's backstory is what we're saying with Black Squadron. We have we know that he was uh, a cadet essentially before that as well. So where does the spice runner stuff fit in? My answer to that question is I don't know. I don't know. Do you guys know? Is it, it's in the visual dictionary. Yeah, I, think, I have. But I, I have the visual dictionary right freaking here, baby. But that's also a big thing, guys. We love the we love the Star Wars books. That's why we exist. But you, you shouldn't should need a visual never... dictionary to understand the <laughs> plot of a film. Yep, I agree. Uh, so I mean that is explained in the visual dictionary. Again, shouldn't need it. Uh, Corey, you want that third one? This is all you. It is. Did Snoke not actually control Ray and Kylo Ren's connection? Was he Palpatine, bluffing in the Last Palpatine Jedi? Palpatine did. Palpatine uh, did. Uh, Which means that Snoke did, but I via Palpatine. It. I don't buy it because at the very end, after 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 Snoke was dead, like they had the moment, they had one Force Vision thing together when Palpatine wasn't there. Why would why would why would Palpatine do that? I don't. It doesn't make any sense. Why would he connect them? Yeah. Yeah. If he, he didn't know it was a dyad, I no, guess. No, he didn't. He didn't he know didn't they were dyad at the very end of this movie. Oh, right. I haven't thought about this. I haven't thought about this. Maybe I haven't Snoke, thought about it. Maybe I don't Snoke know. did. I mean, ultimately, Snoke did nothing without Palpatine behind him. But perhaps, yeah, I agree. Maybe it wasn't. It's, maybe it wasn't Snoke. Maybe it's that they were just a dyad. Yeah, it's, I like that better. It, it, it's confusing. I, I, the one thing I do really wish, um, I wish at the end of the Last Jedi, I wish they didn't have that one more Force Vision thing. Like, I know it was a cool moment between them, but like, it, it contradicted a little bit. When, when, because Snoke said that I, I created this connection. Oh no, I think he created it, but they maintained it. Oh, he, oh, I bridged, I bridged your, your minds. Mind. Well, and fun fact: in the Secrets of the Jedi book, the Force bond is listed as a dark side power. Ooh, so interesting. The fact interesting. that they maintain that together is them both tapping into the dark side, and whenever they want to call, like whenever you want to Skype with your lover, you got to hit the dark side. I think it's because they're a dyad and they can do stuff. Yep. That's All, right. All right. Also, also on Snoke, is he autonomous? It's feel I feel a little weird about him in the Kylo Ren comics now that we know he's a test tube baby. He's not autonomous. If you're gonna show me multiple of him literally floating in a vat in Palpatine's little evil workshop, no. <laughs> so, it's so 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 creepy and gross. And All right, that's and... a good point, Charles. Because I was thinking of him like kind of like the clones. Like I mean, the clones are all made, but they're Can still I... autonomous. But yeah. good point. Can I just say that him wearing his little weird like snow hat in the Kylo Ren comic is the freaking funniest <laughs> thing I have ever seen? <laughs> it's so it's awkward. So it looks good. like Santa Claus. It's like what I the hell? I love it. I'm oh, very, God. I am very interested for our thoughts after we finish that comic series. Me too. I can't yeah. wait. I can't wait for that. Um, Charles, take, take the next that. one. All right. So Actually, then, yeah, yeah. Take the next one. <clears throat> so the next question is kind of a big one, but basically, who gets a Force Ghost and who doesn't? And along with that, when does a true Jedi, quote unquote? Uh, body disappear whenever they die because we see some different things in this movie we see that leia's body stuck around for like half of the movie after she died but then disappears when ben dies ray's body sticks around just long enough for her to be saved by ben ben's body immediately disappears and then the fact that ben's body disappears you would think maybe means he gets a force ghost but we don't get his force ghost with uh leia and and luke whenever they're back on Tatooine. So what's going on with all that stuff? Um, The fact that Ben doesn't get a Forest Ghost is an oversight that I legit, if I was in Disney, when it comes to Disney Plus, I'd put it in. Oh, Just straight shit. up. Like, I, I think that 
Disney doesn't. In there. Disney does in not there. have the balls to correct their own work. No, they don't. But I think that that is that is the it's the exact parallel of Anakin sacrificing himself for Luke and then showing up as a Force ghost is <laughs> literally what happens in this movie. And if you just appear into the Force. Every single person that has done that has a Force Ghost, and I yeah. think that it's just an oversight. I think it, it does make. I was just gonna say it does make a little bit of sense. I think that Kylo maybe had not trained in that ability because I mean we see um, Qui Gon. I know his his body didn't disappear, but Qui Gon actually was studying it and didn't wasn't able to manifest a ghost, just the voice. <laughs> well, he's the first one. He's he the, first the first one that learned. He is the first one, and then but... he manifested a ghost in Clone Wars to Anakin. That, well, on Mortis. On so oh, true. Mortis is Mortis is funky in that. Yeah, but I don't know. This is a bit of a convoluted thing that we need to work through some more. Yep, yeah, agreed. totally. Uh, I think the whole the whole concept of Force Ghosts in general is very convoluted for all the saga, not just mm-hmm. for this film. So true. it's it's yep. weird. But um, it was gross oversight that Ben and Hayden Christensen were not in that last shot. You can't tell me otherwise. I wanted uh, Hayden in there. there. I wanted Hayden. If you, in if you there. can only have one, you get Ben. <laughs> but if you get two, you get Hayden. Yeah. Totally uh, all agree. right. Next one. Uh, what is a dyad in the forest necessarily? Have we heard this term before? I don't think so. I feel like we may have heard it in Mortis with the brother and the sister, but like. Ooh, I didn't think about that. That's pretty cool. I feel like I, they're a dyad, and they've been the last one. I think I've seen online. I haven't confirmed this myself that it was the brother and sister are supposed to be a dyad. I don't know if the word itself is used like in the Mortis trilogy, but I think that is what they were going for. What does it mean, that. though? That's why I wrote this question. I think that, it like, it's well, the, the two of them are one. It's the two that are... Two sides of the same that, coin. Right? But why? Yeah, are the they, were they born on the same day? Like, what the hell? The Force decides. That's what I got. Because the Force, Corey. <laughs> the Force. <laughs> the midichlorian yeah. count is exactly the same. That's exactly... <laughs> That's got to be it. <laughs> they have each 2,175 midichlorians. Yeah, don't you read the books, you noob? <laughs> Wait, guys, I, I have a massive question that's kind of based off of this. It isn't even in there, but I, I need to hear your thoughts on this. So I'm throwing it in, Corey. I'm going off script. Woo! Um, I can't do it. What does this mean for the balance of the Force and, like, the Chosen One and all of that stuff? Because it seems the like prophecy misread, it could that. have been. It's, it's, yeah, no, I mean, that's nope. a great line that we can always use. But, like, it seems like this changes that a bit, at least. What did you all think? I think so. I got it. <clears throat> my opinion. Mm-hmm. My official Utini opinion. My, my Ute opinion is that Anakin is still the Chosen One. Mm-hmm. That prophecy closed once Anakin balanced. That's it. It did not say he will bring balance forever, right? I think the dark side and light will always still exist, but Anakin is still the chosen one, in my opinion. Bam. Yes. Ray or, does not, and so I think Ray just goes forward. When, in your opinion, did uh, Anakin balance? Was it when he killed Palpatine, or was it when he killed all the Jedi and left like two Jedi and two Sith? I think it's when he re- he is when he revealed himself to Luke <clears throat> and became Anakin once but more. Then, when, Star- when Darth Vader died and Anakin, I don't know. Was I but then so we found out Palpatine wasn't about killed. This whole concept now because Palpatine's alive. So yeah, Palpatine wasn't killed. So getting but rid the of light the light rose. He I mean, didn't do Ray. Ray and Ben both rose combined in the light at the end of this movie to combat the darkness and Palpatine, and that to me is balance as well. That's but the I'll thing. Balance. Balance is a bad concept because mathematically it means equal dark, equal light. But in movies, it means just light. I think right. initially, I think that's initially. vanity for the Jedi to think that they're the only light is vanity because that's the true. Force goes on and lives yeah. on without anybody's influence. So, I, again, the prophecy misread it could well, have been. Okay, last thing I want to say about about that, Charles. Actually, I just thought of this. Ray has a yellow lightsaber at the end of this movie, right? Mm-hmm. Which Sentinel, is, which is historically yes, the Sentinel and the Temple Guards. She is not. 
actively fighting anything. She is protecting. She is even. She is the force. And I think that's the gold might mean. I don't think they know that, but I, I will go to sleep knowing that. Okay. Yeah. Also, right, uh, since we're talking about this, I would like to point out that Anakin comes in to raise a uh, little voice vision and says, "Bring balance to the force, just as I did." So clearly, he still thinks he did it somehow. So that's. True. I don't know. I don't know. A I lot of good did. questions. I think I like this. It. This is not. This is the whole. Who is the chosen one? Is not just an interesting question. It is the question in that Star we could Wars. do an entire podcast episode that on. So is, and we right. will we'll... maybe. Corey, what's the next one? <laughs> next question: Did the resistance actually win at the end of this movie? There were literally hundreds of fully armed star destroyers with planet-killing weapons with entire armaments of turbo laser batteries and full complements of TIE fighters, like probably thousands of TIE fighters. So even with right. all of those ships that the Resistance had, like, did they win? Like, yeah. we we were made to think that, like, as soon as they caught them all in atmosphere that the battle was over, but, like, mm-hmm. no, nah, man, no way. They, no, they I think they, they had no to. shields. They, every every blast hit the ship, and I think this ultimately is the Emperor's hubris. Like, he was, like, he was so cocky because he had foreseen everything. He knew everything that he didn't think about. They didn't have shields. They didn't have the defenders they needed because they were just going to win because he had spent 30 years concocting this plan. So I think it's a comment on if you are too <clears throat> cocky, if you are too evil, you will not plan for the people of good to be competent. Yeah, and I think we're missing a big thing. I don't know if it was shot and it was cut or what it is, but it doesn't make any sense to me, actually, that Star Destroyers started crashing on Jakku and the forest moon of Endor and Coruscant because they... Why Why were they crashing? They had nothing so, to do with so the final this order. So this is dumb. It's kind of bad writing, but like at the very end of the battle, right after they win, Poe is flying around, and you hear Finn come in. It's split second of dialogue and goes, Poe, people are rising up all around the galaxy. Poe, why? This is like, why? Why? Who told no, them? Also, they how would he know, know that? Is he, like listen, is he like listening to CNN like as he's like flying around yeah. and shit? Like, yeah. That made no sense. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Even the funny now, I like the idea. I like yes, the idea. Yes, I love the idea. Also... Also, that one ship was cut in half on Endor. Did you guys see that? I'm gonna say that's a that's a B wing. <laughs> that was Holdo's Force Ghost. That was Holdo's Force Ghost. Come on, that shot was one in a million. <laughs> awesome. All right, but, Charles. Next one. It's, this is the all caps. I love. All this. right, who? I do. I have to scream this. I should probably scream this. <laughs> yes, <clears throat> you should. Who's flying the ghost? <laughs> <laughs> who is flying the ghost? Ultimate question. I was uh I watched the film and I actually there's this young kid it's not the right age because all right so what's uh what's Kanan in um uh Hera's son's name Jason 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 would be approximately thirty I think Jason I think it's Jason because right. I hot take I God, I don't want to even say this I don't think Hera survives Alphabet Squadron Ooh, shoot. I'm with you I think. And I think so. I think it's, it's Jason. Jason. I so, think that she might die in the second one, and then oh, Jason damn. comes back at the end, and then he's flying in the third one, and he flies the ghost. Okay, all right. I can I can totally buy that. God, um, guys, so, I hated saying that out loud. <laughs> yes, the whole time I was watching this film, like on the second and third viewings, I noticed there's this like really young looking kid. Like he looks like he's in his young twenties. That's standing on the opposite side of like the little like strategic <laughs> table when they're like telling everybody like this yeah. is our plan, this is what we're gonna do, and they have their inspirational speech and shit. And you see him twice in the film. And I'm Does like, he have green hair? Is it him? Is it Jason him? has green hair. No, but he totally looks like he can doesn't he have like ooh, pointed ooh, ears? Ooh, what if it's uh ears. what's the, what's the kid from Resistant? What's his name? Oh, Kazuda? Kazuda. It Kaz? could be Kazuda. It looks like right. it kind of could be. There's, there's a kid. There's a young 
young listen you guys that go see it again look for it there's this young dude um he's like standing on the opposite side of poe and finn when they're giving mm-hmm. their little inspirational feature. Oh, i know look, the guy you're talking about yeah. yeah look for it you'll see he's only there for a half second but i oh really thought that it might have been jason but anyway guys nothing i've ever said in this podcast has caused such a, a, a tremor in our chat as <laughs> we say, here I might die in Alphabet Squadron. <laughs> Eric, how dare you? I freaking loved it. <laughs> Shut up, Eric. It... Oh, I love God. you guys. I All hope right. it doesn't happen. Next question. The entire plot surrounding the Jedi Hunter Hunter Ochi or whatever was very mm-hmm. confusing. Like, it was. How, like, I was. I was talking about uh, this with one of my buddies yesterday. How does this yeah. dagger even exist? Like, it's pretty new. Like, it's Death Star. The Death Star's only been laying there for like 35 years. Okay, so somebody had to like find this wreckage like trust that it wasn't going to change or shift or yeah, fall like the or anything. tides move anything also the tides he'd like hold, a, hold a dagger up against the and like draw it, the at shit the, at the same spot exactly where ray was standing yeah and I, so you know what really could have fixed this for me which is stupid if she had had like a force you know how when you have a vision they all go like whoa like like they, they yes. their eyes go weird like that's if a she, raven when she has a vision <laughs> Wait, that's so Ray Vin? Oh my uh, god. Yeah, no. Shit. If Ray had had a force moment where she's like, No, I feel there's something here about this and then she pulled out the dagger and looked, I'm like, Cool. I would honestly have been fine. But yeah. that's it's it's kinda of ridiculous. I don't know why I kind of assumed this, but I weirdly thought of it as like an old prophecy or something like that. Maybe that yeah, had been no, fulfilled that's, and that that's dagger how, was made long before the it. Death Star. Yeah, what if yeah, her arms even. were the wrong length? Like what if she had held it the wrong <laughs> Like, what if it was an Ugnot? <laughs> yes, yeah, it doesn't make right. any sense. The dagger is super, super young. Like the thing is only like this would be like if we found something from like the late eighties and we're like, oh, this is ancient. Like, <laughs> yeah, what the hell? Like, no. All right, yeah. Well, bon Jovi was there. Okay. It's, yeah. Oh no, it's it's a literal MacGuffin. All right. Exactly. Moving on. Exactly. Um, why at the beginning of the film was Poe so mad at Ray for not being with them when they were just oh, not even then, but like throughout the movie, Poe yeah, was like Poe and Ray are regularly pissed at Ray. What's Can that I tell about? you my Two my words. thought about it? Yeah, no, please. which is not canon yet. Uh, mm-hmm. Oscar Isaac has regularly said in interviews that he has played Poe as being in a relationship with Finn, and he doesn't really care that they're not. I think that Oscar Isaac is playing it like <clears throat> stop hanging out with my boyfriend all the time. Oh, snap. because like. As far as acting goes, he's like he is he he's in the I don't give a shit mode of interviews. He's like we're done. Who cares? He has said like yeah, I wish they would have been dating. I think that would have been a stronger choice. So I think we might see that in the books later on where Poe is bisexual, and that's a whole different story. Um, but I think that for Oscar Isaac, he was playing like stop talking to my boyfriend all the time. That makes sense. That's funny. Yeah, I could. I, could I like that, that answer. I'm not that's even right, like. answer. I, I I'm using Eric's answer. Great. Small plot hole. Um. I know we said we weren't gonna be a little negative. But this is funny to me. Um, I pointed I pointed this out to you guys. Ben has a blaster when he runs into that that goofy like Sith temple thing that the Emperor was in the big square that apparently has a whole society in it. All right, um, Ben like he has a blaster in his hand. He totally does the Han Solo thing where he doesn't oh, look and he shoots that guy. It's that's freaking awesome. I yeah. I, uh, huh. I became a man sick. in that moment. Like, oh, my oh my god, god it was so the sick. Flutters. Yeah, Ben Solo as Han Solo's son carrying a blaster was 
flipping sick. Perfect. Um, awesome. The Perfect. blaster is in the is in the visual dictionary. It's it's a it's a modification of like the the DL oh, the DL44. It looks like it. It's oh very similar. God. Freaking loved it. All what? right. Okay. So Ben has that blaster when he goes in the temple and he kills some guys with it. Then mm. he faces off against the Knights of Ren. Suddenly, it's not in his hand anymore. He is weaponless. He gets his ass totally kicked by the Knights of Ren. They beat the shit out of him. Yeah. But he had a blaster when he walked into that fight. Gross oversight. They should have edited out the guys uh, getting did shot. Did he lose it when he jumped onto the chain? Or no, no, he no, had it. When, no, no, it was nope, after right. that. It doesn't make any sense. He's it's in his hand one second. It's in his hand the next. It's like in the Last Jedi, like the throne room fight when Rey was killing that last guy that she killed. He has two knives in his hand. And like one second he has two knives, the next thing he only has one knife. Like because yeah, anyway, it doesn't. It's just fight scenes. Also, you know how it is, but. yeah, it, that's just kind of a noony moment. Uh, real quick, I'm addressing the chat. Brent just asked a question. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it for our audio listeners. We're about to get to the good things about this movie. Oh god, you and can that tell character will be talked about because he's the greatest. All right. Speaking of positivity, are we good? Can we just plow right We're through? Good. We're good. I'm good. Right, let's, good. Let's just rock this. Yes. Okay. We've had a lot of negativity. We've had some kind of goofy conversation about some of the plot holes in this film, some of the confusing things. Like, we're not going to be able to forget some of the stuff that we're not going to really be able to get over. It's fine. We did that with The Last Jedi. We've done that with all Star Wars films. Like, we're going to grow past it. We're going to get Star Wars for decades to come. We're going to grow past it. Like, we're not going to remember all this stuff as poorly as we're talking about it right now. So, like, it's just kind of raw because we're so close to the film, but we're a super positive community. We love Star Wars, and we're in this life for good, right? So let's talk about some of the stuff that totally works in this film. Yeah, buddy. All right. I'm going to kick off this conversation with, I didn't really put all this together until my third viewing, but let's talk about it. What totally works in this film is the entire second act of the film. Okay? Mm -hmm. I'm talking about, just to be clear, I'm talking about, all the time from when, like, they hold hands and decide they're going to go to Kijimi. Hands. Like, hands. The, yes. Hands. Hand, like, the pose. <laughs> the, I, I called it in my notes the pose past planet. <laughs> yep. <laughs> to when they leave Kef Bear. Kef Bear, is that how you say it? Kef Bear, the, uh, the Death Star planet. Like, everything yes. that happens in that gap of time is borderline flawless. All right? I, like, yep. let's talk about that. The entire middle of the movie is like almost a different film. It didn't have any of the pacing issues that the first uh, the first part had with everything happening so fast. Which, since we're talking about pacing issues, I wanted to tell you guys this. Um, I actually measured it in the theater with my with my phone on a timer. We see five planets in 22 minutes. In the first 22 minutes of the film, we hit five different planets. Yeah. The pacing is a big issue. We haven't even talked about that. We're not yeah. going to talk about it. The pacing was an issue. All right, that did not apply at all to the second act yeah. of the film. Can, can, can I say real quick one thing about the pacing that I that if I don't say it, I will I will feel disgusting about for the rest of my life. The pacing was a problem. Light speeds light speed skipping is cool, but ultimately could the first order also do it? And if that is true, why did they do it? Anyway, it was it felt like a thing where they were like, let's get through as many things as possible. The pacing was crazy. Yes, moving well, on. I, to the I'm stuff. not even I'm not even counting those planets. <laughs> if you're counting those planets, we technically hit eight, eight. planets in the first 22 minutes, which Insane. is mine. We Blowing the pacing yep. was just like, what? Yeah. It was Guys, like so over the top. We were still, we hadn't met Han Solo yet in episode four at that point. Okay, <laughs> like, yes, it was ridiculous. Fast. It was so fast. Anyway, that none of that Kajimi. applied at all to the second, oh. to the second act of the film. There was moments of silence. There was yep. thought for room with with room for like 
interference. <gasps> like mm-hmm. we knew this movie had a ton of reshoots and post production edits. It really feels like the second the second act was the only part that did not get all effed up by corporate mm-hmm. interference. Corey, I I'm sorry to interrupt you again. I keep doing this. I just saw one of the things in the chat that broke my soul in half. Ross Orlando says my headcanon for the blaster that Ben has is that Han gave it to him when he was a kid and he kept it his whole life. Oh, I think that's in the I think that's that is that, canon for the what? visual dictionary. I'll find out and, and tell you guys God, in Discord. Wait, I think that's true. What? I'm what? Sure. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh. All right, so let's oh let's let's break down what I think is all of our favorite parts of the film. Can we agree is the middle of the film the best part of the film? I I would I I said yes until my third viewing at my third viewing the point when Ben goes into the temple till the end is my favorite because yeah. I just love the Ben Solo stuff. This, but the as far second as film, and third are tied. Yeah, but as far as filmmaking goes, <laughs> the second, absolutely. I think it's, it's it's the tightest. All right, so I have a bunch of bullet points here that I want to discuss because there's a lot of fun things we can talk about. And all the newest parts of this film happen in the middle also. So that's yes. another, another big important part. Let's talk about the planet Kajimi. What mm-hmm. stood out about this planet? Like some things I noticed was like the First Order uh, like presence on that planet. There's a lot of really cool and new and interesting looking troopers and ships and walkers and things like that. Like it was all at night and how they were like with hoods, like going between the yeah. buildings, trying to avoid the first order as they were like barging down on doors and stuff was awesome. Like it felt yeah. really war torn with like civilians. Yeah, laying a little low. like Nazi Germany is. Yeah. You know? I mean, that was awesome. Yeah. And it's Oop. snow. It's our first snow planet since Hoth, right? I mean, Starkiller base, I guess had snow, but it's, it's not as cool. Yeah. I no, love Kijimi, it. Kijimi was my favorite actual new planet. I really liked yep. it. It felt very, very World War II. Like, I felt like oh, I yeah. could have been yes. watching a World War II movie for really yep. all of that. Right. And it, it, like, stepped up about how evil the First Order was. Like, talking about how they've already taken all the children. Like, dude. Yeah, and the night raids. Yeah. yeah. And it added, I will say straight up, disagree with me if you guys want, the two best new characters in this film. Right. Uh, with Zori Bliss, I know A+. Who the other plus is. She's getting a comic. She's getting a book. There's no question in my mind we're getting she more Zori cool. Bliss. Absolutely. Zori Bliss superstar is what yep. I said in my notes here. Yep. Like, she looked badass. Her voice was awesome. I loved that little at- react like interaction between her and Ray where she was like, not that it matters, but I think you're all right. And she's like, I care. Like, that yeah. was awesome. I loved it that so was, much. The design yeah. was incredible. And then, of course, mm, Babu Rick. Like uh, Bobby Frick is amazing. He's the he star. Is Where's drunk. my Funko? <laughs> he is drunk twenty four seven. He is ready. Like, yes. come on. I know. <laughs> Droid memory go blank. Blank yeah. blank. Like <laughs> everyone's like, Baby Yoda's the cutest thing ever, and this movie's like, hold my beer. Right. <laughs> yes. Babu Frick was amazing. Absolutely loved Babu Frick. Honestly, he might be my favorite, like just little goofy side character that we've gotten so far in all of the sequel trilogy. I, I agree. loved him so much. I agree. And then Zori and Poe's past was cool. Again, I'm hoping that it wasn't just their way of saying, see, Poe is straight. Shut up. I hope that it's like, well, he's bisexual and he once had a fling with her. Like, that's fun. But, like, their, their acting together was really great. And that moment where she asked him to go away with her was very vulnerable. And we got that awesome Poe moment of, I can't leave this war. I can't leave my friends. And that was yeah. really beautiful. <clears throat> I mean, Carrie Russell is an incredible actress. She's worked with JJ for years. Um, and I'm so glad they used her in a great way. Yes. Plus Brilliant. We got, plus, we got to see, like, this was this was not just Poe, like, actively making mistakes in this film. We got to see him have a, a legitimate moment of weakness and, like, like growth in a lot of ways. He was like, he's like, we called out on crate and nobody came. Like, 
The galaxy's yeah. lost all their hope. And then Zori Bliss, who's not even in the flipping resistance, said this amazing line. She said, they win by making you feel like you're alone. Like, oh, my God. That is such it. good writing. It was such good writing. That's, and... Again, it felt like a different film from the whole yes, first part. And they're, like, they're, like, it's we quiet. We just got to Jimmy, then we're fine. Yes. <laughs> it's quiet. They're sitting out on the yep. roof watching all this tragedy happen in the city. There's like a moment of peace and serenity between them. It was yep. so sick. I loved we it so much. We ride for Kajimi. Absolutely. The captain's medallion, small detail, but I loved it. Yep, I loved it. I, I, I wish she had kept it, but at the same time, uh, it was really a really great moment for giving it to Poe, and it made sense that it got them off the planet quick, really smart. And it, uh, and it J- spoke to the First Order being, like, very incompetent at checking credentials. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, if you have the medallion, you're in, which is hilarious. Yeah, like, that thing probably just shouldn't exist. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> right. Uh, great comment from our chat right now. Jared May says he wants a Babu Frick and Salacious B. Crumb buddy cop movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's fantastic. But I love that Salacious B. Crumb would be the one that says, all right, calm down. And Babu's like, no, die. And he <laughs> oh, Brilliant. Man. I love that. Um, yep. Uh, what else we got here? We got um, the, with the hallway gunfight on the Star yes. Destroyer. When, which... they, when they get to the – all right, let me back up a little bit right <sighs> yeah. before we even get to the Star Destroyer. I really wish – I've said this multiple times. I really wish that we, they would not have shown Chewie on the Star Destroyer. Like literally two minutes after Ray, like, quote-unquote killed him. Like that yeah. was epic. When she screams <laughs> Chewie, that's like – I think that is, in my opinion, Daisy Ridley's best acting in this whole movie when she screams Chewie. I mean, that yeah. was so freaking believable. In I fact, was I so really, upset, I really had a stroke in the theater. Yeah, like I did when too. I, like I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get in that camp. Like I understand people have been complaining about like, like the movie doesn't have consequences because Chewie didn't die, she three people didn't shot. Get the hell out of here with that. All right, I'm not, I'm not in that camp. I'm like, somewhat in that camp. But I, mean, I, hear I get it. <laughs> I get, I, I get it. You want there to be consequences. The same shit that people said about about Finn at the end of the last Jedi. I get it. All right, I, I see where they're coming from. I'm not gonna argue that it had to happen. People are saying sure. it had to happen. I'm saying yes, it would have been an interesting story, but that's just that's just your opinion, bro. All right, yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Okay, so that being said. Daisy like accidentally killing Chewie was sick as shit. Like I was like, so mad. I was so mad. I was too. In fact, my wife leaned over to me. I, I, part of me wishes she wouldn't have done it. She leaned over to me and she goes, "But Chewie's in the trailer with Lando." And I was like, "Oh God, thank I God!" Forgot. Like I forgot about the suit. I really, honestly, Guinness thought he was gone, I and I was tearing up. And and Nicole looked over at me and was like watching me, not the movie. And I was, I just like shook my head. I was like, "I can't right now. I can't." <laughs> like, just, no, it was beautiful. I loved that, it. And I think we. Unfortunately, that moment, um, looking in the notes, that moment is actually in the first act, so we're not going to hit it as hard. That lightning moment was I, – I I thought that's where the movie was going. Like, oh, they're actually going to take a lot of risks. Not It didn't end up being where they went, but I thought that moment was maybe the most striking moment in the sequel trilogy, frankly. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, absolutely. great stuff, great so, stuff. That was really cool. And then when, when Ray goes to, like, the doorway or whatever and senses Chewie, that was really cool. Yep. Like, we get, we yeah. get to see – we get to see the concept of force sensitivity, like sensing other beings, which has been in all of Star Wars. It's been everywhere. Yep. Like it's in the prequels when like Padme is about to get bitten by those little worm things, and, and Obi Wan's like, "I sense it too," and they run in there. It's in. Oh, I love that. It's in Return of the Jedi when Luke senses uh, Darth Vader on on yeah. this flagship, and he's like, "I shouldn't have come. I'm endangering the mission." Like, yep. Yep. I-, I love that that they brought that in. It really tied everything together yeah. nicely. That was really cool. And then they go to the Star Destroyer, and that little like. Like hallway running gunfight that they had mm-hmm. was surprisingly yeah. really yeah. top notch. Chewie 
running with them was freaking amazing. Yeah, like him I, running down behind them with a bowcaster. My one controversial take in this half, not in the beginning was all controversy. In this half is, so that was in the trailer. The last trailer we got was them running, and it was the big swell of music, right? And that made me yeah. cry. I don't think the music in this movie was used to its best extent to make me cry. I think you could have made me cry really easy a lot more and with some of the trailer stuff that got pulled yeah. back. Also, John Williams is uh, a genius. He's a god. We all bow to his feet. But that John moment Williams, I wanted to cry at. Uh, two two points I'll make in, in reply to that. Um, number one, I agree with you totally on the music choice, Eric. Um, also, I just want to say, this is a minor complaint. Guys, we were promised Duel of Fates. There was no Duel of Fates. That was a bummer. Was not in the film. They explicitly stated that it was going to be in the film. The dual fates was yeah. going to be in the film. It was not. In fact, the way that they talked about the music tying everything together was a big letdown for me personally. Yep, like, that was a bummer. Yep, but, it was a bummer. All right, back to Kajimi. But the second but, cool thing about John Williams is that he's in this freaking movie. Yeah, he's yeah. the bartender. The bartender was that on Kajimi? Yeah, it yeah was. Kajimi. Yeah. Guys, and they go good back to shit Babu happens Frick's. on Kajimi. <laughs> All right, if you don't know what we're talking about, when they're on Kajimi, they're going back to Babu Freak's little droid lair. The the bartender with like the like the the android like thing over yeah. his eye that is John Flippin Williams. You guys, yeah. he looked kind of like a Borg from he Star did. Trek. Honestly, it was <laughs> sick. It was sick as shit. I can't believe they put John Williams. Yeah. What an amazing cameo! What a great honor to that guy. It was awesome. Like Brilliant. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. Also about the gunfight in uh, on, on in the hallway. Do you guys mm-hmm. notice that like Chewie was like a flipping sharpshooter? Like he didn't miss a single blast. He was like boom, 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 three dead guys every single time. Whereas Finn and Poe are both like they have to shoot a lot and they would miss a couple shots. Like I, I respect that. Chewie's like a hundred yeah. or two hundred or something years no, old. They like, guys really remember how in, in a New Hope it took like an hour for them to sneak in, find the princess, get out. They went in with no disguises and murdered like forty people. Like, <laughs> There's no time. There's oh, no and, time. And I know. Last thing on that, uh, because it's it's not on here in the ship. Uh, Hux being the spy, super yes. fun. Yes, it was I fun. so yeah. silly. I'm so glad he died almost immediately because he kind of sucks at everything. Yeah, uh, I love that he was straight up too. I love that he was just like, I'm the spy. It's me. <laughs> I'm the yes, spy. I'm the spy. It's me. So I don't care if you win. I just want Kylo Ren to lose. Like, yeah. I loved Great. it. It was so fantastic. Yeah, and then when I'll... Pride killed him, he's like, <laughs> hmm, I see. And he goes and takes that guy's blaster and just freaking murders him. He's like, yeah. tell tell the Supreme Leader we found this spy. It's like, shit, Excellent. man. That progressed so quickly, and I love it. Like, yeah, Next thing on this list, though, is maybe the most visually amazing thing in this film. Yes, Ray and Kylo Ren's lightsaber duel while inside of a Force connection. It was the moment in which they realized they could oh. duel while in this Force How? connection thing. Yeah. When, when he blocked her lightsaber for the first, because she they'd just been talking, and then you like the really cool camera shots of going. But he he had, he had grabbed the the necklace earlier, so they'd already established that they um, could Pasana. like see things, right? Which but was like really nice for a lightsaber. Touch. I was like, <gasps> like. Oh, and, yeah. oh, it was amazing. The, and, the like, way that they this... progressed it in general yeah. with first grabbing the necklace before having yeah. that duel happen was, was beautifully really well done. done. And we yep. didn't talk about Pasana because it was earlier on, but I just wanted to say that the Aki Aki Festival was one of my like favorite additions. Yeah, like, that I, was fun. I, I loved fun. that festival. That was awesome. 
Yeah, but yeah, the, the berries <clears throat> hitting the floor was amazing. Vader's helmet hitting, like, totally The way the, way the camera would, like, change. Like, do you guys see that? Like, when somebody yep. would be walking, it would shift yeah. from being the white of his quarters to, like, the dark yeah. of the village. It was so well done. Like, it was yeah. akin to me. That scene is the only scene that, that is even kind of in visual comparison to the throne room scene in, in, in Last Jedi. Like, yes, It agreed. was really, really well done. Good right. stuff. Good stuff. We all love Kajimi. Can we agree? Yes. Man, Kajimi is my favorite part of the film, I think. I love Team Kajimi. Team We're the Kajimi. Kajimi. Um, taking a look at our chat, it looks like everybody else really loved Kajimi also. That's all really positive stuff I'm seeing in there. All right, next planet, because we're blowing through this positive stuff. There's so much good stuff to talk about. Let's talk about Kef Bear, the Death Star planet. We got all the mm. Death Star wreckage. Please let me explore this planet in Jedi Fallen Order 2. Come on. Oh, yes. Let's climb through the Death Star. Come on. I want it. I want it so bad. Um, everything that happened on this planet was great. I love the character Janna. Um, yes. And, like, then right after we meet Janna, we get um, we get Poe and Finn's, like, little marriage spat where, where uh, yeah. Poe's like, I'm not Leia, and, and, and uh, Finn goes, Damn, Damn right. right. Oh, my God. Talk uh, about a sick burn. Savage. That was awesome. Savage. Can we take a but quick that was a great play. That was a great play off of Resistance Reborn, too, and yes. kind of all of the fears that Poe was having, where he's like, I'm not Leia. And later on, when he's sitting by Leia's body, and he's like, I don't know what to do here. Like All of that played beautifully from Resistance Reborn. It did, Absolutely. Totally. Can we take a quick second to just do a quick, super fast negative thing about Janna uh, at yeah. the end of the movie with her and Lando? When he's like, we're going to find out where you're from, and then the visual dictionary basically confirms that she's Lando's kid. Uh, is it a hundo? Is it 100% it, confirmed? I mean, uh, yeah. No, it's not I, 100%. Yeah. It's 90%. Like, it's like I mean, A okay. plus B leads to C, so yeah. C is like it's, it's unfortunate because you put, you put three black people in a movie, so two of them have to be related. It's unfortunate. It's I love Janna. I think that she and Lando can have a cool story. But again, just yeah. thinking ahead, I think that in the future of Star Wars, we don't have to have them be related. <clears throat> yes. Anyway, she's a great character. Talk about Janna, the really cool stuff. The fact that she was a former Stormtrooper, I didn't see that coming at all. Like, I thought it was really, really good. Like, when she told that story of the entire company defecting and then Finn basically says it was the Force, oh my god, that was awesome. Cool. I mean, That's they cool. basically all did what Finn did, but at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, that was cool because, like, Finn was, like, down there in the hole, like, working on the stuff, and, like, he hopped out to talk to her. I loved that. That was really sick. Yep. It was all yeah. done really, really well. Um, also, I'm going to call it right now, Finn and Janna are the next generation of Jedi. I'm calling it. I think Janna's Force-sensitive. I would love to see both of them, like, as Jedi. Can you imagine that shit in freaking Jedi robes, like, using the Force? I want it to happen. Dude, they got to put Jai Boyega in another Star Wars video game. Like, I think he's done on the on the screen, but I can see him coming back to do that. He's a gamer. I'd love it. Yeah, totally agree. All right, moving on. Ray in the Death Star in the Emperor's Vault. That was akin to the cave scene in Empire, and mm -hmm. damn it, I freaking loved it. That was dope. Uh, not too much Dark Ray, but just enough. Right. Uh, I, very I fun. Liked, I liked your little hiss thing. Like, that yeah. was awesome. It looked like a... Looked like Bilbo in uh, Lord of the Rings when you like. Yeah. Oh my God, I like that a lot. Her lightsaber is freaking epic. By the way, it's mm -hmm. in the visual dictionary. It like folds and stuff. It looks the really Temple cool. Guard one. Yeah. That was really good. All right, let's talk about the most important stuff that happened in the second act. <clears throat> okay, Ray and Ben's fight. 
Oh my god. The way it started with him crushing the the uh what's the thing called? The the, way, the, the holocron? The no, sorry, yeah. the wayfinder. The wayfinder. <laughs> with him crushing the wayfinder. Yes, he crushed that. And then they have that whole fight and she's just like swinging at him. He's like dodging and stuff. Like freaking Muhammad Ali. That shit was awesome. Yeah, and then they get exhausted by the end of it and they're just trying to go because they know that it's what they're supposed to do, but neither one of them wants to. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. Then they, they like, hop down, like, off of uh, the little area, which is a little kind of odd to think the about. The little hop down was freaking funny. It wasn't <laughs> it supposed was to be, yeah, but it I was really it was funny. funny. It was it was obviously very a nice little transition. Like, because aren't they, like, ten stories up? Like, where did they hop to? It doesn't really she, make sense. Yeah, yeah she climbed way up there. Yeah. Which, speaking of that, was a beautiful throwback to The Force Awakens. Yes, yeah. absolutely. No question. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> All right, let's talk about... Ray and Ben's climactic battle in this. Yeah. In this, all right. So like the choreography was amazing. Them mm-hmm. switching grips and kind of Ray. Yep. I got the feeling that, that Ray was, was like cool. trying out like different grips and stuff based on what, like like yeah. like Rin was almost training her in a way. Well, she was doing the Ahsoka grip a lot, doing the back yeah. the back <clears> thing, and I'm like that was a fun callback. And I think that neither one of them quite knew why they were fighting the other. I is and mm-hmm. usually that could be lame or, or bad, but I think that it showed near the end of it like. They're just fighting, fighting, fighting all up until, you know, the big final moment where the last moment of Kylo Ren, as I'm calling it in my head. Yeah. You know? yeah. I thought the whole battle was actually very similar to Obi-Wan and Anakin's fight on Mustafar because there were a lot of moments where it seemed like they were mirroring each other in their mm-hmm. movements. And like the force, like the force, catch yeah, where the they blade. stopped the blade oh, with man, the force was, and the sound that, that really it made. Cool. You could see it like jumping, and it's like that was yeah. great. That was yeah. awesome, dude. Yeah. I love that. And the big, the big force jumps and the the waves crashing down. It was all very reminiscent of that Mustafar battle. Yeah, yeah. water instead of fire. Absolutely. And, yeah. and can we just yeah. say that the CGI waves were like? super top notch oh yeah that was I like it. it looked yeah. real yep. as hell and, there, and there's a lot of practical stuff too especially with their jumping and stuff like some of us were talking about why does it look a little strange when ray either lands on the ground or jumps because the clone wars and the prequels were all cgi and this was all wire work you could tell they were hooked up yeah. to wires so it looked a little different because they were actually doing it yeah i, I loved all that like um a little thing i noticed like when when ben goes down like you he, like the water droplets hit his vest and it makes that yep. little sound you guys noticed that it yep. was beautiful really, really good so right really before good. that let's hit let's hit this scene quick we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna bust through this this last like 15 20 minutes <clears throat> we got this yes all right let's talk about the symbolic destruction of kylo ren let's do all it right. welcome to our ted talk welcome to our <laughs> ted talk yes um the way that entire scene happened to me was one of the most emotional, like, like moments in this film. Like, they're fighting, then they like freeze because they both hear Leia's voice, I guess, and they making the can they see her? Maybe I'm not. Really I think sure. I think that no, I think I think Kylo hears her voice. She's only she talking to Ben. She calls out to Kylo. Yeah. Ray Ray stops because she's beaten and like getting ready for the hit. Right. But then Ray notice it notices it when she Leia dies. dies. That's when yes. she clues in. Yeah. Like Ray notices it, and then she takes it as an opportunity, which was yeah, pretty very dark, dark side, yeah. yeah, very dark side, and then kills him with his own blade. Oh. That was sick. And the way that, like, all right, I wrote this out. Let me just say what I read here, wrote here. Do it. The symbolic sacrifice of Princess Leia to defeat Kylo Ren and resurrect Ben Solo is arguably one of the most beautiful pieces of symbolism in all of Star Wars. Yes. Like, yeah. Kylo Ren was destroyed. That was, oh, yeah. God. 
I wish I can I just say I wish that we would have had Carrie alive just to give a couple lines for it because I think as far as movie making goes, it's a bit. I don't think it's the best sequence. I think that it comes. She she drops the headphones, which I don't know what she's listening to. She walks to bed, says bed and dies. Like I and and Maz is like she knows what she has to do. Like it, it, you have to connect dots for yourself a bit, but you the do. symbolism is still beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I totally, like if Carrie totally had been alive, I think we talked about, you know, what would be different. That plot point still would have been in there if Carrie had lived, I think. I wanted to take your hand, Ben's hands. Mm. It was like affirmation that Ray is yeah. willing to forgive the wrongs that he's yeah. done in order to take him back. I absolutely love that. Well, and after the heal, where, like, I think when she heals him, that's when he fully becomes Ben again. And you see his scar fade that she gave him. She yeah. heals the scar she gave him. Totally agree. I That's didn't even beautiful. notice that. Am yeah. I crazy? I didn't even notice. Watch the next time, buddy. You gotta watch. You gotta do a four. You gotta do a third viewing. Wow. Third viewing. Fourth viewing. Yeah. All right. The scar fades. Now, let's talk about it. You ready? I don't know, man. I, yes. After that gun reveal, I don't know if I am. All right. <laughs> Silence. Hey, kid. Oh, I had oh no idea. God. I was blown away that this happened. Me too. The this camera was hands down my favorite scene in the entire too. movie. Not yeah, even too. close. The, cam- the way the camera lingers. This is what I'm talking about with pacing. Like, there's time to breathe. The camera lingers on Ben's face, and we see him react to the voice. Like, oh my God, we see Ben react to his father's voice. It was so yeah. sick. Like, the beauty's in the silence here. Hearing Han say, hey, kid, it gutted me every single time I saw yep. this film. All yep. three viewings. You're just a memory. Yeah, your memory. memory. It's like, Han Solo is dead. I killed him. Our... No, Kylo Ren is dead. My son lives. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I loved it. I, I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. And then right. then the freaking I love you, I know implication. Yeah. The fact dad. that he didn't actually say it. I know. Yeah. Like, like, he goes last... dad and his voice breaks. He's he's the best actor we've ever had in Star Wars, and I will put the, I will die on that hill with Adam Driver. Um. His last word, I mean, technically his last word in the film is ow when he lands, but like his last word in the film is dad. Yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> dad, <laughs> I know. And like weirdly, like we've never heard we've heard father, we've heard all these things. No one in Star Wars has ever said the word dad. That's and true. it's such it an was, intimate word. It was. It yeah. was. It was really incredible. The, the thing that I loved the most about dad. this was the reusing of the dialogue from that original scene and how we see him brought right back to that moment that was his crossroads when he fully, I think, put Ben Solo aside and chose the path of Kylo Ren and he relived the conversation and made the opposite choice and we see him walk away from that moment on the other path. It is beautiful. And guys, can I just say, the only thing I wish would have happened here, and we'll get to the beauty of what happens next in a second. In the Ahsoka novel... We see Ahsoka find the Inquisitor lightsabers and purify the crystals into white because of the light side. I wish that Ben would have picked up his lightsaber and purified it to white. Now, I get why he didn't. Him picking up the legacy lightsaber is is beautiful. And and we get that whole, like, what's he going to do? We get the Force handoff. But I do wish we could have seen Kylo's lightsaber in white. That would have been pretty cool. Totally. Again, but that's, but I I didn't have the expectation going in. It wasn't distract. It wasn't, you know, ruined. But I think that yes. would have been a neat call out. This entire scene was so unbelievably emotionally powerful. I loved it. My wife sobbed like a baby in the film. Yeah. I actually didn't really cry like super hard. I mean, I got misty eyed, but I didn't like really dive into it. Like a lot of people said they did. I was just 
so blown away by this. Then he takes his freaking lightsaber and he chucks it into the abyss and rises as Ben Solo, hero of the fucking light. Like, oh my god. It was amazing! Like, I never understood the dichotomy between Kylo Ren and Ben Solo completely until this movie. Now, the character Ben Solo himself is maybe in my top three, top five characters, and I need him in Battlefront. I need him to have a healing ability. I need him to be able to pull out a blaster. Like, I need need that Funko Pop, goddammit. You know me. Um, I cannot (laughs) wait. Ben Solo forever. Ben Solo is now in my top three for sure. One with his father and with Kenobi. The yes. other Ben. Oh my God! My favorite <laughs> characters are Ben Solo and Ben Solo. You got to tight, my brother. <laughs> that is very interesting. I had not thought about that. Oh yes. All right. Before we dive into some other smaller stuff, let's take another quick break, and we'll be right back in just a few minutes. All right. Six and a half hours later. All right, everyone. Uh, so now going forward, we are gonna pace this like it's the first act of the Rise of Skywalker. Let us go. <laughs> okay i'm gonna take this because it's some of the really small awesome stuff and already too slow that's we're already on what the third i live planet. for all right here we go <laughs> let's be so, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> uh let's start with palpatine's voice so we got his voice back and it was just like it has been in all the other films it was bang on he also showed us that he was doing the impression of snoke and uh vader and that part was great Any and thoughts? maul wasn't that maul too in there i think it no, was there was no maul I'm pretty sure it was. I'm pretty sure we got no. all three of them. He was not Maul. He was saying, I'm every voice that's ever been inside your head, which was Snoke Invader. I know, but I'm pretty sure it was Maul's voice in there. Correct Gotta me in the chat. Eric. If I'm wrong, whatever. I think he says Maul. I'll look for it. All right. Definitely not. But let's move on. All right. True's <laughs> reaction. True's reaction to Leia's death. It was very, uh, very oh. touching. He was shattered. Fell to yeah. his knees. Beautiful. That's what, yes. Yeah, I kind of wish we got that with Han Solo, but like it was amazing. This, Speaking uh, of Han Solo, let's talk about his son Ben Solo's shrug. The shrug was the greatest thing I've ever seen. That's gonna be fighting the Knights of Ren. Oh please! Yes, yes. I loved it. Adam it was, Driver, it was, everyone. It was on par with Han in uh, in the cantina. Yep. Whenever he's kind of like you know tracing with his finger, I love that. I love that. All right. Um. So the moment in the last battle, whenever General Pride is like, they don't have a navy. What are all these ships? And the guy's like, it's not a navy, sir. They're just people. Fantastic it. line. Perfect. Loved it. Loved it. Yes. Um, all right. Uh, Poe's leadership. We've kind of already talked about this, but Resistance Reborn set up his entire journey in this movie perfectly. So go back and read that if you haven't. Um, the sound of the lightning coming out of the Emperor's hand. All of that sound design was freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. That like it made like split second of silence, like in the Last Jedi, like when they did the the holdo maneuver thing. That was that it was like that it was like freeze, God. It yeah, and then it. like the whole theater was like shaking. Yes, yep. the bass was so intense during that. I loved also, it. though, the like squeaking of the violin, uh, whenever the the Light, streaks oh, of lightning yeah. would kind of fire, cool that was cool like too. Yep. Um, so, Allegiant General Pride also made the comment, "I will serve you just as I served you in the old wars." Loved it. Interesting. That'll come back. There's a story there. There's a story there. I liked it. Um, All right. Let's see here. All of Lando's stuff. We haven't really talked about Lando much, but him shooting the trooper through the eye with like a handheld bowcaster. That was (laughs) dope. That was fun. That was dope. Um, The Pisana Festival was amazing. The Aki Aki Festival Mm -hmm. that happens every 42 years or whatever. That was fantastic. (laughs) Um, C-3PO's character arc. Uh, someone telling him that he knows the odds better than any of us. Like he's been trying to tell us for eight films now. Uh, <laughs> the moment from the trailer when he says, I, what are you doing there, 3PO? And he's like, taking one last look, sir, at my friends. Mm. Heartbreaking. 
just as much in the movie as it was in the trailer. Yep. Um, when they fall down into the sand pits and Poe is like, Ray Finn, and C-3PO is like, you didn't say my name, sir, but I'm okay. <laughs> that was <laughs> hilarious. It. Probably one of the biggest laughs in my in my showings both times. Same. Um, and let's see, there's, uh, there's no way I'll ever let you put uh, – yeah, basically the the thing that R two put inside of him to restore his memory, and he told R two that he wasn't gonna let him do it. That was funny great. stuff. All right, um, force healing. That's a new thing, kind mm-hmm. of. We Itch. technically first From saw the Mandalorian it in, last week in bro. the Mandalorian. Exactly, exactly. Good timing. Uh, but we saw it a lot. Yeah, we needed that, so that was great. Um, ben saved someone that he loved from dying, just like Anakin initially set out to do. There's some poetic beauty and justice in that yep. um he is the one that technically finished what anakin started so he did exactly yeah. what he told uh vader in in the force awakens that he was gonna yeah. do and the so only that's... way you can do that is through the light side of the force as opposed yes. to what yes. we've heard for eight movies that it's the only the dark side right it's the exact it. opposite i loved it yeah um all right big big point here the kiss between kylo and ray yeah. or ben and ray rather yeah yeah um, there's a whole episode that we could talk about just from that, but they, uh, you know, that happened. Raylo is a thing. Yep. Right. It's a thing. It is. Uh, in my um, showings, people laughed, but I think here's the thing. Mine too. It's all, because of how it was three. filmed. It, uh, I think that the emotion behind it is correct. I think the filming was rushed. If they yes, had had yeah. any kind of dialogue, it would have been beautiful and <laughs> yes. amazing, but they, people, they we might get it. People online talked about um, – this is what I was talking about earlier when I said, look, the scenes were reversed. You, should, you guys should look up that. It's very interesting. It, it, the way that Kylo Ren's hair falls and stuff, it makes it look like he actually sat up when he died. All right? So, like, it looks like they reversed that. So I'm very curious what the original Ooh, okay. what the original shots were, like, all surrounding the Raylo stuff. Um, uh, yeah. You guys should also go listen to the Sky Talkers kind of immediate review of mm-hmm. the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, they talked about, like – both feeling like they simultaneously got everything they wanted and also nothing that they wanted at the same yeah. time. It seems like Raylos are not happy. And I think happy. that's because it was like, here, shut up. Here you go. And I think a that little bit. It, it, I think that again, we'll talk about this slightly at the end. Ray Carson's novelization will make that scene beautiful. I can't, I have no doubt. Mm. It's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, the Knights of Ren came back guys. They didn't do much. They look super menacing and they were all dispatched as easy yeah. as, Easily as the uh, apparently uh, they can only kick your ass if you're unarmed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thanks. Still... Uh, like, thanks for the Funkos, bro. Moving on. Yeah, <laughs> I still don't. I really still don't understand whether or not they have the Force because the comics seem to imply that, but it sure as heck didn't seem like it. Oh, New issue to tomorrow. I will say, yeah, we'll I will see. say that when they like totally like stuttered and stumbled backwards when he like pulled that lightsaber out, that was sick Ooh. as shit. Loved yeah, it. It was. Yeah, it was. All right, the voices of the Jedi that all came back whenever Rey said, be with me. Mm-hmm. So Anakin was in there, Hayden Christensen. Ahsoka was in there. That's a pretty big one we can come back to. Um, there's some of these that I didn't even – I don't know where you pulled this list this from. Is list. I didn't I even appreciate all this of from these. From the credits. Okay. All right, so Luminara apparently was in there. Ayla Secura, I didn't catch those. Mace was in there. Obi-Wan was in there saying, Ray, these are your final steps, and that was amazing. Mm-hmm. We also um, get, Yoda, we also get Ewan McGregor is specifically in there, too. We get both yep. Obi-Wan yeah. as young and old, which is a very interesting creative choice. Mm-hmm. But. Um, Yoda, Adigalia, Kanan Jarrus. Let's give the animation some love. Love that. Um, Qui-Gon love Jinn, so because how do you not throw in Liam Neeson's iconic voice? And Luke Skywalker rounded things out, of mm-hmm. course. Um, 
Can I hit the Ahsoka question about this? Yeah, yes, go ahead. Yes. So the question is, is Ahsoka dead? I have been back and forth, back and forth, because I think I love Ahsoka the most out of the three of us, I would wager. Yep. Yes. Um, yep. I adore her. I have her lightsaber. She is everything. I am choosing to believe that Ahsoka is not currently dead. I think that a lot of her stuff that she's done with Filoni has been about um, getting deeper into the Force, listening to the wills, going into the world between worlds, all these mystical things. Dave Filoni has worked so hard to make Ahsoka not dead and has invented Force lore. I think he will do the same again. In my mind, she is still alive. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure your words in our chat were something along the lines of Dave Filoni retconned the shit out of Rebels to make it so Ahsoka could live. <laughs> See, you're damn. Re- you're freaking crazy if you think he's not going to do that again. <laughs> Absolutely. That that may have been what I said. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, fantastic. All right. All right. Last couple. Things. Uh, Luke. Luke and Leia's training scene, guys. Aww. That was an, something I was not expecting. No. It was very well done. Really we liked it. Leia, it was so incredible. Leia but Luke. Um, Luke is actually mm-hmm. talking, and the dialogue surrounding it is is so confusing. The only reason that it's so confusing is because you're so immersed in seeing Luke and Leia fight. Yeah. You can't even really hear what Luke says, which is some shit about her lightsaber. Yeah. It's all very and Leia's CGI right. was kind of rough. Also, they're like, we're not going to CGI Leia, massive. and they totally CGI'd Leia. I know yeah, it's not the 100%. same, but like, come on, that was a lie yeah. again. Going back to making promises is not filling up with them but it is yeah. what it is yep all right um ray's lightsaber design it was actually a piece of her staff that she's been I carrying which that. is dope I did too. I love um, that. the actual mechanism to light it that was pretty new yeah. that was interesting yeah too. i saw on i saw a, a gif i saw a gif on reddit that like there's little lights that turn blue green before it hits yellow when it comes out which is really cool like you should find what? that when she, when she flips the switch there's a little lights above it that change colors it's very cool so interesting can't wait i, I mean and you guys that. have known since our star wars rpg i have wanted a gold lightsaber to be at a main character so here we go you got it um all right the emperor's throne was obviously inspired by ralph Macquarie's work from back in the day which was awesome um the new droid dio was cool and he was voiced by jj abrams and i didn't know that confirmed but from the first second i heard him go hello i was like that's freaking jj immediately (laughs) that's i I didn't notice it at all i had to be told later dude i was like a hundred percent sure um, Ray sliding down the hill on the little sled to get into ta- uh, to get into Luke's little homestead. That was amazing, just like she did back in The Force mm-hmm. Awakens. All yeah. right, really fun fan service. We've got to run through these ultra fast because we're even taking too long to get through the last stuff. So here we go. Palpatine has multiple lines from the prequels, such as the abilities that are unnatural, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Wedge Antilles. He was in the movie, guys, which was awesome. And that was Eric's thing, I think. That was my one thing I wanted, wanted, except I'm a little worried because his stepson literally died five minutes before he showed up. I don't think they actually know. I don't think JJ knows that straight up. That that's his that's stepson. My, yeah. That is a theory I have. They have no idea that Snap and Wedge are, are connected, so that kind of sucked. But it was great to he see. He might him. not. He <laughs> might not. Also, I just want to say that if you count Ray as uh, dying and coming back to life, if you count that as one of the big three dying, I got all of my predictions right oh, except you for Bobby son Frick of a bitch. riding oh on BBA Ted. Okay. All right. Anyways, um, let's see here. Red Five. Uh, we got that from whenever uh, Ray was in Luke's old mm-hmm. X-wing. Um, the first planet that we saw was Mustafar. It wasn't actually named, but that is coming from the visual dictionary, and that's awesome. Um, John Williams is the bartender. We talked about Luke pulling the X-Wing out of the water on Octo with the same music as Yoda when he did Mixed it on Dagobah. That was feelings. Eh, it's fine. I liked it. I, I, liked didn't, it. I, didn't, I didn't like that his arm was like this. I mean, like, and I also didn't like, like holding the, I, his hand up like freaking. I kind of didn't like the shit-eating grin he had at the end of it. Like, yeah, I did that. <laughs> right. 
And also, the door was used as his door of his hut in Last Jedi, but Ray could have fixed that, whatever. The anyway. only thing that would have made that scene better is if when he gave that smile at the end, if he had a little bit of green milk running down his chin as a force ghost. <laughs> that would have oh been brilliant. Nope. Okay. Gross. Um, the Emperor was defeated by his own lightning yet again. So, Corey, to quote you in, in this <laughs> How many times uh, do we document. have to teach you this lesson, old man? <laughs> yeah, but I like Eric's explanation that he was basically just being bold and thought he could push through Ray's defense. and he uh, Also, himself, apparently so. it's canon now that once you like sh- start shooting lightning, there's not like a good off switch. You're just like stuck doing it. So Well, it's kind of like when the Emperor was Maybe. making his kid. Like once you start, you can't really stop, oh, you know? Oh, God. God. All right. <laughs> Um, Chewie, Chewie gets Han's medal. This was a bit of a confusing thing because uh, there's a canon comic in which we already know that Chewie yeah. got again that got medal. applause. Oversight. That got Oversight. applause on opening night because no one knows that unless you read the comics. But like, I know I wanted to, and he actually gives that medal away. Like, no, he doesn't care. About no, it's the in the comics. He d- he doesn't care about the medal at all. No. It has to do with the Wookiee culture. He gives it away to a small girl because he just doesn't exactly. care, and he was trying to honor her. And then he got this one back and was stoked. I'm lo- I I I think you have to look at it as he was stoked to have something of Hans. I like not that. that he was stoked to get a medal. I'm good yeah. with that. Um, yeah. Warwick Davis was once again Wicket when we saw him on the Forest Moon of Endor. That's amazing. Yep. Um, what is this? C-3PO is technically the last Skywalker. Think about Explain it. Explain this. Corey. Think about it. Oh, get the hell out. What's the next one? Think about oh, it. C-3PO is technically here. the last Skywalker. Get and out. Out. Freaking get made out. C-3PO. He's the last one. That's all I'm saying. All right. <laughs> and the Festival of the Forbidden on Pasana takes place every 42 years. And, of course, that was a reference to A New Hope releasing 42 years ago. Great. Um, yes. All right. So who was the rise? Who was the Skywalker who rose? I shouldn't ask this uh, question. Ray. We don't it's have Ray. enough time. It's, it's Ray. Ray. It's Ray. Okay. Yep. I think it could have been Ben too. I think it might be both, but okay. All right. A couple things I want to hit. I know that we're trying to wrap up here. We've been talking for Jesus, like three hours. This has been crazy. We just had a lot to say about this. Um, let's, let's, let's pause for a second. Take a breath. This is the longest that- guys, and there's people in the chat that have been here the entire time. We freaking love Thank you guys. Y'all. Brent, my mom Thank is y'all. the last Skywalker. That's very true. Sally Anderson <laughs> is the last Skywalker. I'll, I'll, I'll own that. All uh, right, I gotta ask some questions. Give me relatively quick answers. <clears throat> yes. Are we actually done with these characters? Like they they symbolically no. bury the lightsabers at the end of the end of the end of the movie, but like eh, I mean that's that feels like them trying to force a you know, like a like a a gate hitting close. Uh-huh. But are they actually done with these characters? In movies or in books? In in movies. In movies, yes. In movies, yes. In books, no. I'm yep. not buying it. We brought Agreed. back a we brought back another trilogy after like what thirty years with the original characters. I'm not buying it. There's too much money on the line. <clears throat> I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Me too. But I'm gonna say for I'm gonna say we'll get some books. And I I do like your idea of Janna and Finn doing the the next Jedi thing. That's fun. All right. Next question. Did the ending of this speak to you? Upon third watch, yes. I, where I am yeah. now, yes. It spoke to me. You choose your own destiny. Yep. Fair, as fair long enough. as I go into that point now, she is going forward on that. Love it. Fair enough. I can respect that. All right. Final question. Yep. Where does this movie fall on your rank list? Can't answer it. Uh, it you goes not twice. It goes uh, behind Revenge of the Sith above phantom menace so it's, it's technically my third to last but i always say it's like attack of the clones then phantom menace then there's a large gap and then it'll mm. go rise of skywalker revenge of the sith yep next. right now it's my least favorite of the sequels yeah yes. that's no question yeah that's, that's, no question. that's easy that's yeah. no question I, right. I i my 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 rank is exactly the same as eric's it's it's 
those two, and then Big Gap, and then Rise of Skywalker. <clears throat> all right. So last couple things we have um, on the end of this podcast. Again, thank you all for listening so much. This has been amazing. We do have some real stuff to talk about. Uh, we are going to get in March the Rise of Skywalker expanded edition novelization by Ray Carson. Obviously, that's something we are super stoked about here at Utini. That's what we focus on in this novelization, guys. What do we think it can add? And do you think it'll it will allow some moments, especially in that first act, to breathe a bit? Like, how long is this book going to be? What do we think? I don't, I don't know. I hope it leaves room for to breathe. I hope that. Like, there's a reason there's such a big gap between now and uh, when it's released. I hope they kind of go back and edit some things and add some things to, like, clear up some of the some of the stuff about this movie. I'm really excited about this. I can't wait for that. Yeah. I yeah. think the pacing will be better in a book, too, Agreed. honestly. I think if everything is happening back to back to back, it, it won't be as jarring as sitting in a theater and taking that in in a matter of 10, 15 minutes. I totally agree. And I think I, I've honestly never been more excited for a novelization. I think this will actually take the word expanded edition to heart. Rick Carson is a phenomenal author. We've gotten some great stuff for her. And just look at Most Wanted. She does great with fast pace. So my only wish is that maybe we get some dialogue from Ray and Ben in that last scene. Maybe not, but that'd be kind of fun to put in there, you know? Uh, So looking ahead to the future, guys. Oh, my God. We have so much to look forward to. That novelization is coming. There will be a Utini Amazon link you can find on utini.com where you can pre-order it. Uh, We know we'll be getting it day one. We got the Kenobi series coming up, Disney+. Plus. We got the Cassian series coming up, Disney+. Plus. We have no movies for at least three years, which I think is great. I think that's an awesome point. The Mandalorian is so successful right now. People are showing they want like content on your couch from Star Wars. Let's take a break from the theaters. Disney was, uh, I saw a statistic, got 80% of the top box office this year. So we're fine. We're doing good. Um, next up, we have possibly the Kevin Feige movie and the Ryan Johnson trilogy is still on the cards. Neither of those have been canceled as of yet. We'll see. So, the, rum- the rumor is that Kathleen Kennedy is, is going to step down. Nobody knows if that's true. If I that is it. true, mm. I have, I'm scared for Ryan Johnson. Yeah. So here's the thing, guys. All the stuff we talked about at the beginning, I will be okay going forward in Star Wars if the, if Kathleen Kennedy steps down and Ryan Johnson's trilogy and or Ryan Johnson's trilogy gets canceled, I will have severe worries about the future of Star Wars because that is unequivocally going in the same direction as Rose. So I don't want to end on that, but just so you know, what if that happens when we talk about it, that will be my stance. But to close, Corey, bring us home. All right, guys. We've had a lot to say in this episode. We talked about a lot of stuff that we honestly kind of disliked. We talked about sort of the state we see of the political, cultural influences on this at the time. And we talked about a lot of stuff we really liked. If you didn't tell from that, I hope that we <laughs> redeemed ourselves in a lot, a lot of ways. I'm stoked right now to see it again. Like, I am too. I'm so like, glad I'm, we did it that way. Yeah, me too. <laughs> this, is, this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to leave on a positive note because there's so much awesome stuff that happens in this. And um, yeah, all right. There's never been a more divisive, culturally important, or multi-generational film series such as Star Wars. So as we close out this saga, I would like to leave you with a few words of wisdom that I hope will help you navigate sort of this troubling time that I think we have ahead of us. Number one, the next few months are going to be really rough. All right, if you thought we were negative, guys, the internet is going to be amiss with toxicity let me tell you i'm calling it right now this movie is going to be 
as divisive, if not more divisive than The Last Jedi. There's going to be a lot of negativity. You're going to hear it from the internet. You're going to hear it from your friends, your family, your coworkers. People you dislike are going to come up to you and be like, so what did you think about the new Star Wars film? And when they ask you that, they're not actually, they don't give a shit about your opinion. They're actually asking it because they want to crap on it right in front of you. Because people are like that. It's sad. It's going to make you uncomfortable, and people are going to have mean things to say to you. That leads me to my next point. Number two, never ever feel guilty or ashamed for liking something that you like. Star Wars doesn't belong to anybody, all right? It, for every single negative point that we've made on this show, there's probably another podcast out there listing exactly why that exact reason is what made this film so good, all right? I've been saying it for years. I like what I like. I'm not apologizing for that. Your passion is your armor, and you need to wear it that way, all right? You can't touch me with Star Wars hate because I live in this community. I know what good it has to offer, and I know how awful the toxic part of our community can be. So I'm happy about the creative decisions by choice, my choice, all right? So no one can take that away from you, and don't let them. Number three, this is fairly interesting. I don't want you to answer the question, what do you think about the new Star Wars with, I liked it or I didn't like it. The world is not black and white, all right? If you're listening to a Star Wars podcast, you're doing yourself a disservice by selling yourself short, all right? You're a bigger fan than the average person, so don't sell yourself short like that. When people ask you that question, you need to say something along the lines of, it's a lot more complicated than that. There's a lot that I disliked, but there's also a lot that I loved. There was beauty in the silence, and I'm also left with a lot of questions. In all honesty, I'm just happy to be along for the ride. That has been my sort of generic response when everybody's asked me about this for the last like week. And I think that it's kind of refreshing to hear. When people ask, are asking you what you thought of the film, it's totally a loaded question. Like, you're the Star Wars guy or the Star Wars girl in, in your peer group. And people are just seeking like a conclusive opinion of the film from you. So by giving such a vague response like... The goal should be to make people think rather than just give them a straight answer of if the movie is good or bad. Because honestly, you're not really like qualified to make the decision because opinions are opinions, right? Like Star Wars is complicated, and by saying you liked it or you disliked it puts it in a black or white box, and that's really just not true because I guarantee you there's stuff that you liked or disliked about this film. Number four, be kind. There's no other way around it. Star Wars is about bringing people together to escape reality, into a fantasy world in a galaxy far, far away. So let people experience that joy how they want to experience. If somebody hates a part of the galaxy that you love, just let them. It's really okay to have differing opinions. Show others how to be the Star Wars fan that we need in our community. It's the only way that we can grow is by being the example here. Number five, lastly, this is important, hide if you have to. Unfollow people on Twitter. Unsubscribe to certain communities on Reddit. Leave the Facebook groups. A little negativity is healthy, I think, right? Like, defending something you love is what fuels your passion. It's what makes you think about, like, the concepts that you're in love with or you really dislike. It's what fuels your passion. But it's kind of a double-edged sword because too much negativity can really, really get to you. It brings you down. It ruins the experience. Like, that's what happened to me with The Last Jedi. Like All the stuff that happened after that film came out really hurt the way that that movie was viewed for me. So surround yourself with a little bit of negativity to critically judge things, but if it's too negative for you, then just leave. There's no shame in that. The experience of Star Wars is something you should be able to share with other people, but your passion should be shared in like the right way. 
Like, it doesn't mean just surrounding people that, like, share your opinions, but it needs to be in a healthy environment where you can't just be flamed for stuff that you say. The Utini Discord is a good place to start. We've had a really great uh, really great time in there after this film, and if you're looking for that uh, community, then I think that we can offer you that. Utini.com slash Discord. Exactly. And that's how we're going to end this episode. I'm going to cut the actual, the usual intro a little outro a little short and just welcome you into that Discord and say, guys... This is a really tough time for everybody. This is an exciting time for everyone. If you love this movie, come chat with us about it. If you had issues, come chat with us about it. That's awesome. If you want to play some Battlefront, come hang out and blow up some clankers with us, okay? We are going to be here for you guys. You guys are here for us. In this holiday season, we are all so, so thankful for every single one of you, and we're so thankful for this film. So beyond everything, everyone have a great season. Go see this movie a bunch more times. Tell us what you think in Discord, and may the Force be with you always. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars Fan Code. Embrace it. Live by it. And above all, trust in the living force that's all for this week join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com until next time may the force be with you